Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Burl Colley Leadership Institute session on creating a welcoming culture. My name is Rebecca Bridges, and I am co-chair of the Leadership Institute. And on behalf of my committee, I am so very excited to have all of you joining us today. I'm really excited about our program this afternoon. You're going to be hearing from some awesome leaders within ACB, and I can't wait for you to hear from them. Before we get started, just a couple things I'd like to do first. Uh, For those of you who are tracking the CEUs, I want to read our opening code for the session. It is... 81301. And again, that is 81301. And again, uh, I am so excited to, to welcome you to our session. Um, we This is really one of a series of sessions that we've held really beginning with last summer's conference and convention. We started with a session on conflict resolution. um, And then we have had a number of sessions. Some of you may have attended those. And these were scheduled as community events. Uh, Anything from onboarding and transitions. Uh, There have been a whole, you know, some you know fiscal responsibility, a whole variety of sessions, and uh, this is just a continuation of those. As we really seek to bring all of you content that enables you to foster your own leadership skills and those of your uh, organizations. So, before we get jump into the program, I do want to just take a moment to acknowledge and thank all of the members of the committee who've worked very hard to bring you. Uh, programs like these. We've had a very busy and productive year, and I I couldn't be more excited and and pleased and thankful for all of our members uh, on the committee. My co-chair, Julie Brannon, you'll be hearing from her today. In fact, um, she hails from Washington. We have Artis Bazin, who's from California. We have Donna Brown from West Virginia, Art Cabanilla from Hawaii, Kim Charlson, Massachusetts, Sarah Conrad Elkman from uh, Wisconsin, uh, Doug Powell from Virginia, which is also, he's a few miles away from me, in fact. We have Matt Selm from Kentucky, and we have Jeff Tom from California and Sheila Young from Florida. Our officer liaison is Ray Campbell. Uh, and we also, our staff liaison is Cindy Hollis. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to turn things over to Ray, who is going to introduce you to our program topic today and uh, introduce our panelists. Thank you, Rebecca, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here, uh, taking the time to uh, come and learn about leadership. It's a really important topic, and uh, I'd just like to echo my thanks to the committee, um, not only for the great sessions that we've had this past year, but also to all of you who have attended and asked good questions and uh, hope that you have uh, taken something away, um, some learning away that you can use back in your local chapters, state affiliates, special interest affiliates, or other leadership opportunities in the community. Uh, Certainly a lot of this applies. 
So why is a welcoming culture important? Well, you first of all, it's just important to have a welcoming culture in your organization, whatever it might be, that uh, people want to be there, they enjoy uh, whatever it is that you're that you're offering, whether it's a uh, uh, you know a social ev- social events or programs or whatever the, they might be. But I think a welcoming culture for leadership is important because. We want people to feel comfortable taking on positions of leadership, and um, we we want them to feel like uh, that they're going to be welcomed and uh, you know given the the tools and opportunities to 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 succeed in whatever positions they take. So this afternoon, we're going to hear from three individuals who have assumed leadership in very different situations. Um, we're going to hear, and then they'll introduce themselves, uh, but I just want to briefly say uh, Rebecca Kusistra, um, I hope I got that right, uh, is the president of the Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired, and um, she was uh, sort of thrust into leadership, and she can talk more about that. Um, Amanda Selb uh, from Louisville, Kentucky, is head of is the, lead, the president of ACB Next Generation, our newest affiliate, one that we're very excited about. Uh, special interest affiliate that is, and um, she is you know building it from the ground up, building the culture. And finally, Julie Brannon is um, involved in the Washington Council of the Blind. I'm not sure what position she holds right now, but she can tell you what that is. And um, and um, you know she is in an affiliate that has a long-established culture of leadership and promoting leadership and even doing leadership trainings and that kind of thing. So, without further ado, I'm going to turn it to our panelists and let and let them introduce themselves, and I'll let them go in whatever order they would like to go. So, um, whoever would like to go first, just chime in, please. Uh, thanks a lot. Well, I guess I'll go first. Like I did at guide dog school when they'd go, who wants to go first on a route? I'd be like, well, I'll go first so I can get it out of the way. Anyways, my name is Rebecca Koistra or Becky, whatever people feel more comfortable calling me. And I am president of the marvelous Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired, otherwise known as MCBBI. And if I can, I would like to briefly give a shout out to my Michigan Apple Blossoms for apparently getting third place in the amount of money raised for the ACB walk. And I just want to let them know how proud I am of them for all the hard work they did in raising donations and everything. So way to go, everyone. My name is Amanda Selm. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, And I am a mom of two. And I'm married to Matt Selm, who is on the Leadership Institute Training Task Force. Say that 10 times fast. Um, And I've been the president of ACB Next Generation since last February. Uh, But I've been working on um, building the affiliate long before that uh, since 2018. Um, It's an amazing group of people. And I, too, want to give them um, a lot of shout outs. But one in particular, uh, it's pertaining to the walk that we uh, went 
uh, from sixth to fifth place yesterday. And at the last minute, they all really pulled together and they really worked hard at the very last minute. But they, they work hard on a lot of other things and it's just a very special place. And I'm honored to represent them and to speak about them today. And I'm from the South, so creating a welcoming environment is very, very important to me. All right, and I'm Julie Brannon. I am the president of the Washington Council of the Blind, and I've been president since I was just counting the months, <laughs> like counting weeks or days. Anyway, since January of 2020, but I've been a longtime member of WCB slash ACB. I hate to tell people this because you might guess how old I am, but anyway, I've been a member since 1994. So when I calculate that 27 years, that's hard to believe. I've held a lot of positions um, within WCB. We might have lost Julie. Uh oh. Can you hear nope. me? I yeah. can hear. You're back now. You're back. Oh down. my gosh. Thank no, you. No, we're good. We're good. Know. You cut out for a minute there. Nope. She's gotcha. good for me. All right. Yeah. Good. Anyway, um, that's who I am. And as Ray said, we are a longstanding affiliate. We actually, Washington Council of the Blind started in 1971, and it merged with what was then the kind of the state NFB component in 1990. So we've been around a long time, and that does differ. Your culture differs, of course, when it's longstanding. We've had a variety of styles of leadership go through our organization, and we've been very focused on leadership training, as Ray said. Starting in 2000, we started leadership training, and we've done some form of it. We've done it in person until COVID hit, and we've had a leadership training every year for people interested in leadership and organization, and we've seen a lot of good come from that. So that's one reason I'm very excited to be here on leadership. Thank you. Wonderful. And before we move along, I just want to say that this committee, the Burl Collie Leadership Institute Committee, is named for a longtime uh, member of the Washington Council of the Blind, uh, Burl Collie, uh, who, who left us about a year ago. So go ahead, Rebecca. No, that's, that's really important. And I thank you for mentioning that, uh, Ray. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, Burl was a tremendous leader and advocate and friend to many, many people. So he is definitely missed. Um, and we're so delighted to be able to honor his memory and his leadership and his service to the organization through uh, the naming of our committee. So without... Uh, with, with all of that, so again, thank you. Um, and as you can tell, each of our panelists has very different perspectives and comes uh, into their roles in very different ways. You know, we have a, an affiliate that's gone through a lot of change and, you know, some turmoil and is coming out of that. We have a brand new affiliate uh, in Next Generation, which, by the way, I think has, they probably win for the most convention programming uh items this week. Uh, <laughs> and um, and then we have Washington, who is just a, a longstanding kind of juggernaut in this organization. So um, with that, let's hear from our panelists. And um, we have a few questions uh, that we are going to ask. We have specific questions for each of our panelists. Um, if you have questions for our panelists as our audience, uh, please sit tight, uh, keep your questions close hold and in mind, and we will allow plenty of time at the end to make sure that you have time to speak uh, and ask your question. So I'm going to start with Julie. So our first question for you, is 
you know, how would you define an effective and welcoming organization? What are some basic steps leaders can take to establish or maintain an effective and welcoming culture within their organization or affiliate? Thanks, Rebecca. Wait, I consider this a twofold question, so I'm going to divide it and answer. Can you speak up a little bit closer, Julie? Is this better? There you go. Oh, dear. Me and my microphone. I need microphone lessons. (laughs) Anyway, the first thing I want to say is... um, All of these suggestions I'm going to make are for all leaders within an affiliate, not just the board or not just the president. Sometimes I think some leadership stuff, people think, oh, well, the board will take care of it, the president. So just be aware that if you are a leader in your organization in any capacity, a lot of these ideas really fall to everyone. And also the other thing I want to say, the suggestions I'm going to make, I'm not saying that we, WCB, are doing them perfectly. All I can say is we're working toward them and their suggestions that might help you also. This, the information I'm going to start with is taken from a website called Talent Talent Map. And when I give my own ideas, I'm going to say additional information. So, you know, those ideas are for me relating more specifically to affiliates. So how do you define a welcome? How do you find a welcoming culture? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines welcoming with such terms as comforting, inviting, desirable, hospitable, kindly, and personable. All those things really indicate a person who wants to stay around, stick around. Um, A party motif was used from this particular website talking about how to make people feel welcome. And what they're starting with, if you go to a party where you don't know anyone, you probably want to leave in an hour if nobody talks to you, but you'll want to stay if you find an old friend that you've known before, or if somebody, say the host, a friend of the host, whomever comes up and starts talking to you and saying, welcome, we're glad you're here. By the way, here's some refreshments. Please sit down. You might enjoy talking to so-and-so. Doesn't that make a difference? It makes you want to stay at a party and people, it makes people want to stay in an organization. So whether you as an organization are welcoming new members or want to make longtime members continue to stay, continue to work, continue to take ownership of your affiliate, here's six welcoming tips from this particular website. And I think they're all very valuable. And the first one is positivity. So who wants to be at a party or in an organization where everybody is disappointed, unhappy, and negative? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And oftentimes, it's the leader's job to pull people out of the dumps and pull them into the big picture and pull them up with creative new ideas. You as a leader, you might have doubts yourself, but your goal is not to share your doubts with everybody and share your negativity with everyone because a positive organizational culture, it truly does improve teamwork. It raises morale. It increases productivity within your affiliate. It may it enhances truly the retention in your organization. Number two, the the sixth tip is be prepared. And it says, who doesn't really feel welcome when they arrive at a party and someone says to them, "Hi, great to see you." Over there are the refreshments. Like I said earlier, be prepared and give people what they need, especially new members when they join the organization. Members need to know that they are going to be treated with enough respect that they're going to be given information about the organization, information about possibilities within the organization, then that truly makes a person feel welcome. 
I do want to say, and this is additional, so this is me talking, but that's one area that I saw even when I was a new member that really I wasn't given information. I was expected to know some things because I ended up fairly quickly in leadership in my local chapter when I joined in the 90s. And um, I really didn't understand the state picture nor the national picture. Not that I'm blaming anyone for that, but what I realized then and what I know now, and we're working on this, is it's very important to have a designated person or group connect with a new member to answer their questions, show, let them know if they're a computer user about the website, the information they'll find on the website. You want to overview with them and let them make sure they look at your constitution and bylaws so they see the governing documents of your affiliate. You want to overview committees and chapters with them so they can find a place to belong. The third recommendation is offer a mentor and guide, which is very similar to what I just mentioned. But would you really stay at a party if you're sitting alone? Probably not. Pretty much you're going to go out the door. And everyone feels less isolated when they're introduced to other people at the party. And they have at least one person that they know they can connect with, ask questions of, get information from, etc. It makes a huge difference. Oftentimes, people just sort of in organizations assume it's going to happen, assume connections will be made. And I'm particularly talking about new members, but this also can relate to longtime members. We can't assume. We need to sometimes make a specific way for it to happen. One thing you can do, I know we started doing it at our state conventions, was connecting people with um, convention liaisons or connection partners. Uh, new people that came to our state convention for the first time for, the, for several years have had a person to connect with them. Conventions, even at the state level, can absolutely, as you know, be overwhelming. National is a whole other story. So new people, I recommend that state affiliates make sure that when you've got new people going to national convention, they have a person to connect with. But this also is true for a new member joining your affiliate, and it really does need to be planned and orchestrated. Sometimes new members will naturally connect with someone in the organization. Sometimes they were brought into the organization by someone, but sometimes not. And I'm afraid we've lost some new members by not initiating a coherent plan for connection. And my comments on this, it says this relates to the suggestion above, but make sure that a new member is connected. And this could be a board member making that connection or, or a president of a chapter or the chair of a committee, but it also needs to be maybe your membership committee or someone overseeing that process, making sure it happens and checking up with the new, new member to make sure it happens. The fourth suggestion says being seen. It says never underestimate the power of attention. When members feel like they're not seen or heard, you really can lose them. And people, again, stop taking ownership of the affiliate. So give them members a chance to see you and you need to connect with them. Now, let me say, this isn't just the president's job because the president can't do it. There's no way. But the president, I see the president's role of an affiliate as empowering the leaders within the affiliate to do this job, if that makes sense. It's kind of like leading the leaders or training the leaders to be leaders, constantly doing that. It's amazing when people feel connected with and feel like people are going out of their way to connect with them, how much ownership they'll take of the affiliate or the, of the organization. Very important to include new members, and I would say sooner than immediately, in some kind of activity of the organization. 
This takes getting to know the person a little bit, and I'll talk about that later, but you want to find out what their interests are, what their passions are, um, what kind of previous experience they have in leadership or, or just in organization connections. Plug them in immediately. We've learned that in Washington. When a new member comes on, Whoever's organizing committees is usually usually on the phone. What committee would you like to be a part of? <laughs> they may, may not be ready or interested in chairing a committee yet. Probably not. But make sure, if anything, they plug into a chapter. They might be a member at large, so they don't have a local chapter. So we're working on developing a members at large affiliate. But if they're not going to plug into a chapter or a member at large affiliate or a state affiliate, um, make sure they're on a committee. It's so important to have them get connected. Often if you have a new member and there's no connection with anything, you just don't even hear from them anymore. And the last one is, and this goes along with something I've already talked about, about the connecting, but inform and include members. Make sure members know about meetings that are happening for you at the state affiliate level and also within the committees that they belong to. Oftentimes, it's sometimes hard to make sure that people who don't have email, it's so easy to send email reminders out, et cetera, but you have to make a concerted effort for that telephone tree or whatever you want to call it. Members that don't have email, make sure they also are included. Very important also that they're included and that they feel like what they share and have to share is important. And the last recommendation is, it says being heard, encourage feedback and ideas, even if some of the ideas may not fit right away that members share. Practice active listening. A lot of you have been through communication and leadership classes, I'm sure. But active listening means I'm listening with an open mind, with an open heart. I'll take to heart what you say. You don't want anyone to feel stupid or you don't want them to feel put down for sharing an idea. And even if it doesn't work now, it might work someday. I've got a quote from psychologist Daniel Pink, who writes that people are driven by autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Individuals who crave, they crave work within an organization that lets them leave an unique footprint on the finished product. So remember that, that people want to be involved, people want to have to be listened to, and the benefit of belonging a Psychology Today article said that feeling understood is almost more important than feeling loved. If people feel like they're heard, like they're understood, like their ideas and their plans and their suggestions are important, you're actually going to gain that person into a welcoming environment more than if they're probably feeling loved. And I'm just going to say... Um, just a quick what? time check, Julie. Oh, where are we? Oh, we just we're, we need to move along to the next one. Is there anything else? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you because you're no, on. No. you're on a roll. No, no. <laughs> yes, yes, on a roll. I've got a little more, but I'll wait for my next time. Okay. Any, so, okay. Sure. Thank you. Uh huh. Okay. So, so Julie's kind of defined what a welcoming culture is, and she has you know talked a little bit about the steps, you know, some some tips for creating that welcoming culture. So Amanda, in your role uh, as president of NextGen, uh, which is again brand spanking new, which is oh, that's a funny term. I don't know why I use that term. Um, <laughs> how did you go about determining what you wanted the culture to look like and then acting on that vision? So I didn't really follow a specific process um, for this. Um, for the most part, I, I wanted to create a place for younger members within ACB that would give them both the leadership opportunities and the social and professional engagement that 
they were wanting. And how I acted on this and how we still implement our vision is through uh, three things. The first one is inclusion. And that means that we make sure that everyone has the opportunity to share and participate, whether that be in a meeting, at an event. Uh, We like to make sure that everyone gets a chance to share. My board members and some people on committee that I've been on committees with know that I like to make people talk because I want them to know that I am listening and, you know, others are listening as well. Um, The second is through recognition, meaning we do an amazing job making sure that we recognize the hard work of our members. And, uh, you know, I I, I don't like for hard work um, to go unrecognized. And I personally don't like for credit to be missed. A lot of people uh, know that about me. So I like to make sure to give credit where credit is due and recognize a good job. And the Lastly, we like to showcase our members' strengths more so than their weaknesses. We like to make sure that their strengths are recognized. And we do this by placing them in roles that highlight their their talents and their their interests. So there's a cute little acronym I made up for this. It's called the IRS. So inclusion, recognition, and showcasing strengths. So that's all I have there. Mine was pretty short, Rebecca. Wow, that was okay. Well, Again, packed with excellent, excellent info. So thank you. Thank you very much for those. So Rebecca, as we'll move to you now. As someone who was recently placed into the role as president, um, can you describe how you have gone about building up or reestablishing your affiliate culture? I'll try. Those were hard acts to follow, so I'll see what I can do. Um, Well... One of the first things I did after recovering from a heart attack when I found out I was now president after only being first vice president for three months, I wrote an open letter to the membership and said that one of my first goals would be to help, you know, bring about healing to our organization because I felt that without harmony, and working together as a cohesive unit, MCBBI could not effectively move forward to bring about positive change to our organization. And they said that we all needed to look within ourselves to see if there were any you know, parts that we had played in what had happened. And then I also said my next goal was to be transparent and that I would be above board and have an open door policy. And I believe for the most part I have, um, I've had people ask me a lot of questions throughout the past year and a half. I can't believe it's been a year and a half already. Um, But if they come to me with questions or whatever, I do try to you know, answer their questions. They might not always like the answers I give them, but I'm pretty sure they know that I'm honest with them. Um, We still have slight ups and downs. I mean, who doesn't? But I think we are moving forward. And some of the things I've tried to implement is um, like last year after the stay-at-home orders, 
came about in mid-March, I had been thinking about starting some sort of get-together on our conference line so people could get together. But then after the shutdown orders happened, one of my members, and I'll mention her by name, could give credit where credit is due, Deb Robinson approached me and said, how about we do a call like um, they've started on the ACB communities? And so we put our heads together and came up with a name. It's called the Connection Chat. And we meet the first Thursday of every month. And it's been going since April of 2020. So that helps, you know, I feel bring a welcoming thing because it's a time for everyone to call in and just get to know each other. And Cindy, when I, after I became president, you know, I called her for some advice. And she said, sometimes the problem is people don't know each other as people. They might know each other as so-and-so, the treasurer, so-and-so, first vice president. So she suggested at our executive committee meetings asking a getting-to-know-you question. Some of them are in-depth. Some of them are frivolous or whatever. But I do feel like we have gotten to know each other on a more personal basis. And I, I feel that that helps with the welcoming thing. Um, and I don't know, cause in the question it said what has worked or maybe has not worked. I don't know if anything has not worked. I wouldn't know unless someone were to say to me, Oh, by the way, Becky, you really, you know, that really was not a good idea, but I do think things are, going good um I think my brain just uh took a freeze but anyways <laughs> I think we are moving forward especially after oh, I know what I was going to say um just like after our last board meeting last Saturday one of my members did write to me and say how much she enjoyed the board meeting because she felt that it was like the days back when she first joined MCBVI where people were getting along and ideas could be heard without feeling criticized or anything like that. And I've gotten some notes like that. Um, and I've gotten some criticism. So I have to take the good with the bad. And so that's basically what I have to say. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. It's it's exciting. And it's it, it can be stressful when you kind of moved into the role and you've got to take stock and try to, you know, to work with that. So thank you very much. So Ray, I'm going to turn it over to you to facilitate uh, the next round of questions. Um, Just real quick for this one, we're going to do about two to three minutes per response, just so that we can allow time for Q&A. I don't have questions in front of me, Rebecca. No, I'm sorry. But but I I can do it. Okay. I got it. I'm just going to tell Julie, though, I, I, I usually don't leave a party until the beer runs out. But that's <laughs> just me. So um, just to make sure that we're not all <laughs> we can. There, there, there are other things that keep us at parties. But, so no, I'm sorry, Rebecca. Culture I, go together. I love yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes. So, yeah, we need to make sure if we're inviting Ray that we yeah, have beer. That's okay. Right. Well noted. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, Ray. I had your name down I, here. So I, was, my... I was looking for him and I couldn't find him. It's so... it's all fine. I've got okay. it. Okay. So Rebecca, we're actually, uh, or Becky, I don't know what, whichever you prefer. Um, we're going to just snake back around to you for this next question. And okay. as, um, 
As fellow members and leaders within ACB at large, what can we, ACB, do to help you or other leaders who might be in a similar position to you to being successful in reestablishing a positive and welcoming culture within their or your affiliate? Be there for us when we have questions to ask, especially at the very beginning when everything is so new and you're like, oh dear, what what just got dumped in my lap, you know? <laughs> and I do have to honestly say that when I did reach out to people for various things like Cindy Hollis, I even reached out to John McCann about some constitution and bylaws questions and things like that. They were very... Um, always there to answer my questions and never made me feel like I was stupid for the questions I asked. Um, And then when the president's um, hump day happy hour call started back in March, that was a great source of, you know, knowledge from presidents that have been you know, around for a year or longer, because when I, that started in March of 2020, I was the newbie. Now I feel like one of the old, you know, because we've gotten several new presidents, but that was a huge help with um, asking questions and being able to talk with other presidents and not having to worry about it being, you know, shared among other people, as far as I know, who knows (laughs) that always. And then, you know, because when you feel like you're cut down or whatever, you don't want to ask questions. So I I feel very lucky that the president's calls got, you know, implemented within a couple of months when I, when I, you know, became president. And I would encourage any of the new president's out there that might be listening or even ones that have been around a while that haven't come into the calls um, that I think you could get a lot out of those calls. But definitely um, when people do reach out to, you know, the quote unquote higher ups or the veterans within the organizations to be very willing to answer questions and, you know, help guide them as needed. And I feel very lucky that I had that um, happen for me. Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate that. So Amanda, we're going to come back to you now. Um, you know, given the demo, the tar- target, if I can talk, target demographics of Next <laughs> Generation and that you are ACV's newest uh, affiliate, as far as I'm aware. Uh, what unique aspects uh, or nuances to creating and sustaining a welcoming culture have you come across and how have you met those challenges? So we're unique in the sense that there's an age requirement for our leadership roles. You can't serve on our board of directors or chair committee uh, if you're over the age of 40. And that's specifically designed to give people our, um, that's in that 18 to 40 range, um, I said our age in my notes here, um, 
leadership opportunities they may not get anywhere else. Um, and we also have members that like to use alternative forms of communication other than email, uh, such as uh, fa- you know Facebook Messenger, which is a f- and which is a you know a uh, a faster form of communication for our committees and individuals to kind of talk to each other between you know meetings and such. But the challenge with that is that even though um, it's faster um, in the form of communication, uh, we are looking uh, for a way now to preserve the content of those conversations. And so that's a little bit about uh, that, Rebecca. I didn't want to go over my two minutes there. <laughs> no, you did great. No, thank you. That's that's helpful. So what you're telling me, Amanda, is that in a couple of years, I'm out. I can't serve on your board. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, anyway. well, I don't know your age. Uh, that's your business. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine and good. It's funny. You know, I remember joining when I joined ACB a, a while ago and thought, man, you know, remember when you're young and you think like 40s old and now it's like, oh, it's not so bad. Anyway, um, thank you very much. Watch okay. Uh, Julie, let's come back to you. For leaders who are entering into a successful and well-established affiliate culture, you know, what uh, opportunities or challenges do you think they need to consider in order to maintain that culture and ensure that it continues to flourish? Oh, good question. And not easy <laughs> as a leader coming into an established culture. But first of all, I'll just briefly talk about some um, leadership qualities or things that a leader does, and then I'll give you my ideas for what to do when you are new in this kind of a culture. A leader, it's very important that they know the core values of the organization, that they help define that for their members. And they also need to foster a uh, a realization and a desire within the members to learn. And one thing a leader needs to do is step back, new or old, and realize that everyone has potential. It might not be in a specific area that you need, but remember that everybody has a place and everyone has potential. So you need to promote that. And you need to appreciate your members and show them that you appreciate any kind of work or leadership activity they do. So those are just generic things that are important for any leaders, and they need to help define the shared goal. That's why it's important to know the mission, vision, and values of your affiliate. And as best you can work on that, that's kind of a big picture thing that's hard to find time to work on. I know we've had a hard time finding time. But anyway, that's something that's important that a leader needs to strive for. And a leader also needs to model as best as possible. For leaders entering an established organization, here's some thoughts. And one is... Take time to learn about the organization. Read the Constitution and bylaws so you understand the governing component of it. You want to talk to longtime members and new members. You want to understand what they think about the organization, why they think it has worked certain things, why things haven't worked. It really is a learning experience for a new leader. And even I, even though me being a longtime a member of the organization and in various offices as president. Boy, that was a new ball game. Whew. My first year, I felt like I was walking on a balance beam or something, and I had so much to learn, and you'd think you wouldn't. So I wasn't a new person to the organization, but I was new in that leadership role. So I realized I needed to sit back and learn from people. You also want to 
survey the feel, feelings of the members, the positives and negatives, and you want to make connections with people. You want to talk to your committee chairs, your chapter presidents, your board, your officers, make connections with them, understand where they're coming from, develop venues for them to share. We have a um, meeting for all of our committee chairs and co-chairs bi-monthly, and we have a president's meeting once a month. So I realized early on too, it's just important to make chances for, and especially not for them to learn from the leader or a leader, but to learn from each other, help people liaison and connect with each other. And we have presidents, every president is connected to another president. Every chapter president or affiliate president is connected to another one. They're called president connections. So they can learn and grow and get ideas from each other. Very important if you're a new leader to not go in like gangbusters and try and make immediate changes, you're going to find resistance and all your, you're not going to be trusted. You've got to gain trust of leaders and members and slowly suggest changes, maybe to changes to former things that have worked, but that you have tweaks that might work better, or also maybe to suggest changes for new ways of doing things. One thing as a leader, very, very important to is explain your rationale for why you think changes need to happen. Not because, well, you guys are sure in the, you know, uh, 1820s, why don't you get up to whatever? You don't say things like that. You explain why, you explain how it's going to work. You explain the detailed steps of what it's going to take for those changes to happen. Many times new leaders really, truly, especially if they're creative and if they're big picture people are loaded with ideas. In addition to developing leaders in your organization, um, you need to look at people as potential leaders. And I call this leader scouting. I made up that term. Scout as a leader and not just the president or board, but every leader in your organization needs to become a leader scout. And to look for such qualities in people such as aptitude, motivation, assertiveness to overcome obstacles, excellent in building trusting relationships, um, ability to create a culture of accountability, ability to make unbiased decisions. These are qualities qualities you'll look for in people. People are, some people will come into the organization that have had leadership experiences and are ready to take leadership. Many though, you need to realize, scout them out and just with lots of training and lots of mentoring can become leaders. The other thing besides leader scouting that we need to do is succession planning. And succession planning means constantly aware of the jobs or positions that need to be filled. Pay attention to the skills, the passions, the abilities of current or potential leaders to fill these positions. And to do that, like we talked about in the very beginning, for that welcoming culture to happen, you have to know your people. You have to be in touch with people, know who they are, know what they want to do, know what they're skilled at doing. Succession planning cannot happen two days before an election. It just doesn't work that way. Um, you really need to have ideas about people who show interest and ability and aptitude for positions. Train them. Maybe you're going to start training them two years. Say you've got a new member, you can tell there's aptitude, abilities there. Put them on a committee, eventually recommend they become a chair of that committee. Watch them, how they chair that committee. How do they lead? How does that committee feel about them? And you have a budding new leader that might end up being your first or second vice president. So succession planning and leader scouting need to be a focus and something in leaders' minds consistently and constantly. Thank Wonderful. you. Wonderful. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Julie. So you've heard a lot. There's a lot to unpack there from each of our panelists. So now we want to hear from you, our audience members. Are there questions that you have? Mary, you may unmute. Yes. Hello. Thank you. Hi, this is um, Mary Heroyan from Massachusetts. And thank you for this discussion today. It's It's been really, really informative. It's It's hearing things that I know are so true, but hard to put into action. And I was wondering if anyone has an idea of ways in which, you know, like really focused ways on how to be able to, you know, get members who maybe aren't normally um, wanting to be engaged, how to get them engaged. Are there specific, maybe like an, an event that you have found to be helpful, you know, scheduling a particular event or how to actually outreach to people to really make them feel like they're, we want to get to know them better and get them more involved. Thank you. Any of our panelists want to take that one? I will start. Rebecca, this is Julie. I love the question. Uh, like I said, we realized we have several members at large that are not part of chapters because they don't live close to one or they live in another state, et cetera. So that's something. And I, I um, asked other state presidents and said, are you guys doing something with this? So that is something we realized that we have a lot of disconnected members. And so we're working on developing an affiliate. And that's one thing that can be done. Um, and, you know, another one is to develop special interest affiliates that might be of interest to people. In Washington, we have a WCB Diabetics and a Guide Dog Users. And that, the Guide Dog Users has been with us for a long time. That was started by Marlena Lieberg. And that really has drawn a lot of people. Special interest affiliates are nice if you can do them within your state. It takes a lot of people and work. But if you can, it allows people to be connected via interest. Another, the third one thing we've tried is we try and have as many people as possible be involved in committees. And we do a, a session as we're selecting committees in January. We do a session that we invite everybody to, to ask all the committee chairs questions about their committees, what the committees do, et cetera. So that has helped having pulling people in that are on the outskirts to be on committees. Wonderful. Thank you. Anyone else have anything to add? You have three more hands. Okay. So let's uh, next hand. Next question. Anthony Corona, you may unmute. Great presentation so far. Um, I'm, I'm going to shift focus for a second and ask if you guys have any tips on accountability. Um, you know, for BPI, we're fond of committees. We're fond of, um, you know, outreach and, and um, pr you know, presenting things for our members and for all ACB members to enjoy. But um, I sometimes find that there's a, a little bit of how to how to hold people accountable for, you know, what they sign up for. You know, I, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be pushy. But at the same time, I want and need things to get done. It's <laughs> an excellent question. <laughs> Anybody want to take this one? Oh, boy. Um, it, I think that's a fairly common thing, unfortunately, because they talk about that in the president's meetings also about how hard it is to get people to have the the follow through on what they say they're going to do and in whatever time frame and I'll admit myself I'm you know have not always followed whatever I try to I try to be a good example oh, I'm sorry are you, nope. were you talking in no no it was somebody's echo <laughs> go ahead oh, okay but yeah that is a hard one and then you know and one of the hardest things and what I try to tell 
you know, some of my people is that I really don't like to be a hard, you know what, um, and it's difficult to be confrontational without being confrontational. And I'm like, just please do what you're supposed to do so I don't have to. <laughs> but yeah, that, Anthony, is a good good question. I think a lot of people face that within their organizations. I'd like to know if there's anyone out there that, you know, found the magic, you know, whatever. Does anybody, does anybody else have any other thoughts on this before we move on to the next question? I mean, I, I know one thing that's helped for you know, for me, uh, well, I know ACB uses the sort of the L10 structure now, the meeting structure, which I think has helped, like establishing quarterly activities that need to get done and then meeting about them and going over them as a group so everybody kind of sees uh, how you're doing. <laughs> uh, that sort of, you know, nobody wants to show up and not have their stuff done. Yep, I agree um, with that. The, the other thing that I would, I think just periodically... Uh, you know, Anthony, checking in with these, with whomever you've placed on those or having other people check in because nobody wants to get that call and go, mm, yeah, I, I haven't done that. Um, you know, so that would be the only thing I would add. Um, I'm sure we have, I mean, gosh, we could talk about all this stuff. It's just awesome. These questions are super rich. Um, I know, I believe we have a couple other hands. Uh, let's continue if we can. Aileen Floyd, you may unmute. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, the great presentation. Um, my question is, when you're a small chapter and you have a hard time filling um, a certain position, such as treasurer, uh, how do you scout for someone with that skill set? Oh, 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 oh. oh, go ahead. <laughs> Does anybody have a good answer for that? One? Julie, you were talking about scouting. I don't know. Yes. I don't want to yes. call you out, but I, I want to. No, just I give don't you mind. And, and Galen is part of my affiliate. Hi, Galen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's hard. And, when, and that is a very specific skill set. It's very difficult. One thing we have in our state, which is we're really fortunate, we have a whiz-bang treasurer, and she has developed treasurer meetings. I think she has them either monthly or bi-monthly, I think monthly, with all of the chapter treasurers. That has been a huge support because it is a difficult job, and you have to have the right people. But the nice thing is, is if you have someone in your affiliate who's willing to mentor, that will help you find someone who's willing to take it on. It's hard to scout for that um, aptitude and a lot of people are afraid of it. They're afraid of handling the money or doing the money type things. But I think if you can find, my suggestion is if you can find someone in your affiliate who will mentor, maybe another treasurer from another chapter or your um, affiliate treasurer, whatever, who's willing to mentor someone, you'd more easily be able to find someone who's willing to take it on. Another difficulty is having the accessibility of the treasury for a totally blind person, if that makes sense. Because sometimes, um, you know, that makes it kind of scary. So if you have a totally blind treasure, you want to try and find a totally blind mentoring treasure. It's a hard position to fill. And I know what you're saying, Gillian, when you have a small chapter and you don't have 20 people to choose from. But what I really recommend is depending on mentors for that position and getting maybe telling that person that you see a tiny bit of flicker of ability or interest that will have someone mentor you, you won't be doing it alone. That's my suggestion. And by the way, Julie, she's a member of your 
affiliate, but Galen is the one that actually got me involved in becoming a member of ACB. You way knew back. her way back when I bet when she lived there. <laughs> well, no, when she no, she lived in Seattle. In yeah, but she got me involved like I can't remember like somewhere between two thousand six and two thousand eight to become a member of ACB. So oh. because of Galen, here oh, I sat. Hey, Galen. <laughs> awesome. Okay, do we have another hand? We do. Kenneth Simeon Sr., you may unmute. Yes, I love this. You all have done a great job at presenting today. Julie spoke about succession planning, and that's something that's very important to me. While serving as president, I had to do a lot of that. Uh, I have a basic question to start off with. Um, Julie, I'll let this go to Julie, and anybody else can reply if they wish. Julie, do you have an established mentoring program? We do not, and I wish we did. The thing that we've done is our leadership training, Kenneth, as you know, our, our leadership training once a year, and that has helped us get to know people much, much better. We have not only new members coming to leadership training, we have some longtime members who um, you know, have never been before come to leadership training. So what we've done is... You know, as a board, we do discuss the positions that are up and we have discussed who is going to fill or do we know of anyone interested in filling these positions. One thing we do, too, is talk to chapter presidents because they have uh, – the truth is you, there's no way to have a handle on all your members, right? <laughs> One person or a whole board to have a handle on all your members. Presidents are a marvelous source of information and committee chairs are. And so we often go to them and say, you probably have seen, one, seen someone shine in an area of leadership within your um, – area there and please recommend them to us. So that is what we do. I think it's an awareness that we have consistently. We also teach it to our chapter presidents and committees, committee chairs, that they need to do succession planning. It's not just your affiliate board, not your affiliate board level. So they also might need to find someone to fill the chapter presidency. And we do teach it in our leadership training to um, to people. And every time I have a president's meeting, you guys, I try to send out a new informational document on being a leader and being a president. And so we talk about it at our president's meetings and our committee meetings. So it's a focus we've talked about. And I think that's the beginning place to start, Kenneth, is talking about it, making people aware of it, and then giving them you know steps for succession planning because there's a lot of information available that way. Great. Do we have any other hands? We do. Winter Renfro, you may unmute. Good afternoon, panelists. I have a quick question for Julie. She was talking about this talent map. Um, what is the website name of that? Talent map, and I believe it was .com. But if you .com. just Googled talent map, one word, it's capital T, capital M. And they have lots of good stuff in there. And that's where I got the six, the six suggestions there. Okay. For developing is called six welcoming tips is what that six particular right okay but i um, would just look up talent map and, it, and put it in there and you'll find it i'm sure okay and amanda i loved your little acronym i thought that was really cute Iris. and what is this l is this l10 that you're talking about yeah it's a new it's um I'm learning about it so I can implement it with NextGen. Um, it's a really neat way to lay out everything you need to do and develop, you know, rocks, which 
Um, I'm still learning, Rebecca. So if I get this wrong, rocks are of the goals or objectives. I can't remember. um, That you want to work on. And it it just helps you to create a to-do list and to prioritize and just to stay organized. Their their ACB is helping us as committee chairs, um, you know, implement uh, this methodology because they've done it at the national level. Um, and you know, Eric and Cindy and, and others have just done a tremendous job with with this. And I I have found you know Anthony, you were asking about accountability. I always so I'm gonna you know Kenneth for example helps a lot with the. Um, so a lot of our committees roll up to steering committees. And so we have steering committee calls. And so Kenneth is so wonderful about sending out our notes and he'll say, well, you know, Rebecca, here are the rocks, the, you know, sort of milestones you reported on that you were going to do for the quarter. <laughs> and, you know, nobody wants to show up to those calls and go, yeah, that's not done. Um, so <laughs> I love that because it, it holds me accountable Um you know, talking about accountability on the Leadership Institute, you know, I am a, I have a demanding full-time job. I'm a mother of two. Um, my husband is, is, you know, has a, has a big job um, in ACB, in fact. And so we are busy, busy. And I mean, everybody's busy, right? Um, but I, I so, I so appreciate, you know, the, the L10 structure. And so, and even on, you know, talking about accountability from the Leadership Institute perspective, I, you know, found myself feeling like, hey, I, I need some help here. So I called up my friend, Julie Brannon, <laughs> said, can you help me? You know, um, and I think that's the other thing to not be afraid as leaders. Uh, no one asked me, but I mean, not be afraid to to reach out and acknowledge when you need help. So it's not just saying, you know, it didn't get done, but like saying, I just need to be honest. My plate is full. Like, you know, so I'm, 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 I am also, in addition to everything I'm doing, I'm home educating my child right now. And so it's like, I'm, my plate is full, so I need some help. So I am so, you know, I'm glad you asked the question earlier about accountability. And I think that just as we as leaders need to check in with people, it is also those individuals' responsibility to say when they're full and when they need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, and I think, uh, too, I'll just throw a comment in here, too. I think it's important also that when those people do, you know, you, you want people to feel like it's okay to reach out and ask for that help yes. because you don't want them to feel like, well, gee, if I tell them I have, I'm, I'm having trouble getting done, I'm going to get yelled at. It's like, no, you, you want to. Uh, what I always tell people is if you, if, you, if you don't get it done and you don't tell me, I'll yell at you. But if you, if you, if you, if you tell me I need some help, I'm going to be, okay, let's figure this out. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, I think that's important too. All right. Awesome. Carrie Muth or Muth. I apologize. That's okay. It's pronounced Muth. <laughs> okay. Um, I had a comment regarding the person asking about trying to promote treasures. Um, when I first became a chapter president in the nineties, <laughs> One of the things I did is um, I called all the chapter members. That does not work now being the affiliate president because there are just way too many um, members. But, you know, what I found is people have hidden talents that we don't know of. And they like to be asked um, to participate in things. 
you know, so, so one approach is, you know, trying to find out where is those hidden talents um, to find somebody that may may have an interest in being a treasurer or a secretary. That's all often a hard position as well. <laughs> um, and, you know, that that's kind of what I found. The other thing is, you know, our, you know, we've, we've had a lot of associate members, people that are cited that have had a, you know, that a lot of times that's where we find our treasury people. Um, and so even at a local level, if you have, you know, a smaller group, 10, 12 people, well, maybe they have a spouse or maybe they have a child or a friend who is into accounting or, or something similar. And they may, you know, be willing to volunteer to assist somebody with some information, or maybe they just join your group and, you know, run for treasurer. So those are just some ideas. Thank you, Carrie. Carrie, it's so, I'm so glad you mentioned about everybody has hidden talents because I think, I think sometimes the people we don't see, we, we don't think to put them on committees or, or put them into positions to, uh, to, to uh, contribute because we don't see them. Um, I story I always like to tell when I was president of our local chapter back in the nineties, we had a lady who was basically a shut in and she, she couldn't get to our meetings and things like that. And I was putting committees together together. And we have a, a, a calling committee that chapter had a calling committee. And I said, you know what? I'll bet I'm going to see if she'd like to be on the calling committee. And I called her and asked her to do that. She was so glad to be asked and just so appreciative. That just made me feel really, really good. So, yeah, that's a great comment. Wonderful. Thank you. Any other hands? Natalie Byers-Couch, you may unmute. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, is there a website where we can find out more about the L10 structure? Because I'm president of our local chapter, and I'm just kind of wondering if it might be helpful. I asked ACB president, basically, because uh, I was interested. But I was going to ask if we could do that as a leadership institute training. I think that's calls. a great yes. idea. Yes, I was thinking. Idea. Yes, I was thinking about that, and I was also thinking of, hey, let's make sure that, and, and we'll plug these in a little bit. Um, but there are, you know, we are going to be doing sort of a, a mentoring kind of leadership training session. And so I think succession planning maybe on its own would yes. be a really good, um, a really good one to do. I'm taking notes. I love it. Um, so thank you for that. I think, I think the L10 would be a great uh, thing to train on. N- Natalie, there is a book written about some of it. It comes from something called the entrepreneurial operating system. And there's a book that's been written about it, but I can't remember the title. Isn't it, tra- is it traction? Or is that something different? Yeah, I, I, well, traction's part no, of it. I always, I always told, I, I tell Dan Spoon, I didn't know I did to serve on the ACB board and be in traction, but that's <laughs> another story. But uh, yeah, there's a, it, it, there's a, what, what we need to, I'll, I'll get the title of that book that's about all that and uh, send it out to, uh, uh, well, we can send it out to maybe the, the leadership uh list and maybe the um, maybe all the attendees of this uh, seminar well I don't know how we'll do that but we'll figure out a way to get it we'll figure out a way yeah you'll be hearing more and again we're gonna we'll yeah so thank you for 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 that and we'll we'll look into that Natalie yes anybody else Stephen Salas you may unmute hey how's it going everyone 
Um, so I had a question. So if, if you have a couple members like in your committees and, you know, they've been asked to do some of the tasks, no matter how big or small the task is, and if they're working by themselves or with someone, they usually like, um, deny the task. They don't want to do any of it. And it kind of goes with Anthony Corona's question, but, um, either they they don't want to do it or they, they come up with some kind of excuse on why not to do it, no matter the situation. What do you do? Do you like, like, have them just sit there and learn through the meetings, or would you like talk to them and recommend maybe a different committee, or, or how would you handle that situation? Anyone want to take that one? Uh, Stephen, this is Amanda. Here's what I would suggest: um, I would first try to have a one-on-one conversation with them and just say, "Hey, um, this is. I'm just curious, uh, like an eye care." conversation with them and then um from there i would kind of see how they're feeling about being on the committee because maybe their maybe their excitement level has changed a little bit and then maybe from there make a recommendation um to where they might want to explore other opportunities if that's the way they're feeling um another option you can you can keep them on the committee and maybe find, see if something pertains to their interest. Um, but I would, I, I would personally feel better. Um, I, I would personally start with a conversation with them and go from there. That's just, that's just my suggestion. Anyone else? Terry Higashi, you may unmute. So I have two questions. So the first question is in regards to, you know, if you're a member, how how would you go about supporting your your leader? And number two, if you are um, a leader in the committee, how um, what are ways that you could ask your your leader to support you in that role? So, you know, you can invite them to, you know, manage the committee, do the committee work, but how, as a leader, would you support them in that? Great questions. And we have just about three minutes to wrap up the Q&A. Just time check. So this will be our last question. Any thoughts for Terry? Some ideas would be how to support your leader. Call him and ask him. Just call or email and say, is there anything I can do for you now? And if not now, could you let me know later on? It's amazing how how nice it is for a leader to have someone come to them rather than them going to someone else and asking for help and for delegation. And I wasn't sure about the committee question. What was the question about the committee again? Could you reiterate for me if you're a member of a committee? So if your leader has asked you to chair a, co- a committee, right? how as a leader are you able to support that member? Because, you know, the member may agree to chair the committee, right? but, you know, they might not feel supported in that. And in, then they, they give up the committee. They, they, they give up the willingness to try because they don't feel supported from the leader or... A good leader would, as best they can, check in with their committee chairs. That's not easy to do, but that's something that I think is really important. Check in with the chairs, have meetings if you can with your committee chairs. Um, Do whatever you can do, you know, 
to and and if you as a committee chair aren't being checked in with or aren't feeling supported again maybe you'll just have to call that leader and say listen i'm almost ready to step out of this role i really need support i need training i need ideas sometimes it might have to be you contacting that leader if you're not getting the support from the leader communication is such a key great anything else for terry anything anyone would like to add okay so if you didn't get uh we we've kind of we've run out of time for questions unfortunately um but you know again this this has been a great session jam-packed with information um if you do uh have you know if you there are going to be other opportunities to engage with us we uh hold community calls we try to do monthly so our next one um i believe will be in august we have a a series of topics um that we're going to be training on so thanks to natalie the l10 is going to go on that list Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you know succession planning you know training your leaders um, those are just a few of the topics that we will be covering in the coming months. Um, and we will also be, as sessions are held, we'll be posting resources on the committee page on acb.org uh, for the Leadership Institute. So do, um, you know, do stay tuned for those. We do announce our sessions um, on the, you know, in the community events listings that Cindy uh, and team uh, provide. So if you're not registered for those, do make sure you do. We do, um, typically our calls are the third Thursday of each month uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern. I know that's kind of late for some folks like me um, <laughs> who like to go to bed and have small children, but um, but we do, uh, you know, we'd love for, for you all to join us there. Um, so just again, I want I want to thank you, Amanda and Julie and Rebecca, for your you know your candor, for your rich responses, and thank you for all of you in the audience who have just provided us with such rich questions and, and things to think about and ideas and inspiration for for future sessions. So we hope you'll continue to engage um, and you know work and be a part of you know creating an effective culture within ACB and you know, the ACB at large and your own affiliate. Um, before we conclude, though, I'm going to provide the closing CEU code for those who are interested. And that is 24666. And that is 24666. And again, thank you all for joining us this afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed the session and we look forward to continuing to engage with you in future sessions. Thank you. Great. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Rebecca. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you, Cecily, for hosting. Yes, thanks to yes. Cecily thank too. Thank and you. for those of you on the stream, I'm going to play what's coming up next hour. Hello convention attendees, my name is Jenny and I am here to provide announcements about activities that are coming up at the convention. Today is Saturday, July 17th. Coming up at this year's convention in the next hour we will have the following events which will start at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Audio Description in Museums, which is heard on ACB Media 1. 411 from the IAC Rehabilitation, Providing Remote Services, which is heard on ACB Media 2. Saturday School Advocating for the Best Learning Options in a Hybrid Environment, which is heard on ACB Media 5. 
RSVA the most recent happenings in the ever-changing legal and legislative landscape involving Randolph Shepard vendors, which is heard on ACB Media 6. Thank you for listening, and I will be back in a while with more updates. Hello and welcome in. Welcome, come on in, find a seat, and there's coffee and donuts in the back. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. My name is Ann Brash, and on behalf of the ACB Women's Committee, I'd like to welcome you to our first ever Sister Power Happy Hour. Events like this for quite a while now, just but they've been under different names. Um, for many years, it was called Rolls and Role Models, and we had Sweet Marbles for breakfast. And then it was Sister Power Breakfast. We moved on to like scrambled eggs and bacon. And now, because some of us are getting just a little bit older, we decided to make it a little later in the day. So if we were in person, um, we'd be discussing the menu right now. And we'll plan to do exactly that next year. But for the time being, just sit back and relax, enjoy whatever it is that you're eating or drinking, because we have a great program for you. Let me just kind of introduce the members of our committee. We've had a few people that have had to um, leave our committee this year, but everybody did a lot of work. So we're just going to introduce everybody. Our co-chairs are Linda Perrell and Lori Sharp. And the members are Cheryl Cummings, Jeanette Dixon, Kathy Farina, Mary Ellen Frost, Cecily Nipper, Donna Pomerantz, Rachel Schroeder, Leslie Spoon, and Linda Yaks. The board liaison is Katie Frederick, and the staff liaison is Kelly Gass. There's two um, other events that we just want to be sure that you know about because we don't want you to miss them. On Wednesday, the 21st, from 4.30 to 5.45, we're going to have yoga with Leslie Spoon. And we're going to be sitting so much that none of us should miss that class. And none of us also should miss uh, the class on Thursday, the 22nd, which is from 4 to 5.15. It's a joint program with Ivy on um, being an entrepreneur. So that should be a good class, too. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to introduce the first um, speaker um, and she will speak for 15, 20 to 30 minutes, I don't know, whatever they decide to speak. Uh, And then I will introduce the second speaker. They're both really good. They have lives you won't want to miss. Um, And then we will have questions after that. So after that, you know, we'll open it and tell you how to raise your hand and whatever. But we want the speakers to be able to say everything that they want to say. So let's get started. Our first inspirational speaker is an author, a mental health counselor, massage therapist, and a holistic practitioner with 45 years of professional experience. She has a YouTube channel and a website. She's been the host of many internet radio shows heard throughout the country, one of which is In the Quiet, She's written two books, the first of which is The Courage to See, Daily Affirmations for Healing the Shame Within, and the second is Solving the Self-Esteem Puzzle, A Guide to Moving from Peace, P-I-E-C-E, to Peace, P-E-A-C-E. Her mission, as she puts it, is to bring expanded understanding, peace, and freedom to others, both in private sessions and in public speaking. 
So here she is, ACB Radio's program director, Debbie Hazelton. Wow, thank you, Anne, and thank you, everyone. I, I'm honored to be here. I know I'm with among many wonderful women and, and many wonderful people, and because I know some men have probably been sneaking in here, I was told by a couple that they would. <laughs> Should we let them in, women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting, and uh, it's interesting to be doing this today with Pam. And, you know, as I listened to the shoulda, coulda, woulda yesterday, I was feeling like, oh, you all are wonderful women. And I know many of you on this committee and many of you listening, you know what? We all are wonderful people. You all are wonderful women and men. And what I know today is that we all really need each other a lot. And we all have so many talents and treasures. And I know Pam knows this and is probably already like jumping up and down inside because it's just so true of all of us. And I didn't always know that. I was one of those other blind people that really didn't want to know that for a long time. And and if some of you are like, oh, I don't want to hear that, believe me, I was one of you with you. And we have, many of us, all been around the block. I call myself an inspirational speaker. And I know that there are people who go, ew, why would you call yourself that? Because they think that an inspirational speaker is just going to sit there and say how we pour liquid and how we walk with canes. And believe me, I'm too, I would be very bored doing that. I think there are plenty of other volunteers out there that would love to do those kinds of things. And I'll do it here and there. But, you know, when I get those kinds of questions, I have to admit, I sometimes say, you know what, I'm not working the night shift today. And there are lots of other people who can handle, handle those questions. But I'm an inspirational speaker, one who really is passionate about inner change and inner ways of feeling inspired because that's what's worked for me. That's what continues to continues to work for me every day. So I'm going to tell you a little bit. I wrote a bunch of notes and I know I don't need them. So I'm probably going to just give them up and just share. And um, so back in the day, <laughs> my mother had lost five babies. She had a stillborn at the end of a first pregnancy, a boy born dead. And she had several other miscarriages, five in all. She could not carry a baby full term because she had been given radium for too much bleeding when she was traveling once on a, on a bus for five days. Somehow she ended up with all this bleeding and they gave her radium to stop the bleeding. Her, her uterus lost enough elasticity to carry a baby full term. So she kept thinking after losing those babies that she should go get her tubes tied, but she, uh, she didn't. She went and adopted my sister. And four years later, um, probably more like three and something, she was at a Kentucky Derby and forgot her diaphragm. And I teased her lady. I, later. I said, well, that's what you get for horsing around because along I came and, um, 
she was, you know, my dad was very mad at her, you know, you should have brought your diaphragm and we don't want to go through this again. Well, she was pregnant. And so she uh, forgot her diaphragm. I was very active in the womb and they were, you know, still very afraid. She thought that I was going to be a boy. When she went into pregnancy at six months, um, I was trying to come out back first, which I think explains my very stubborn and rebellious nature. I was called Deb the Reb (laughs) growing up a lot, and I've sort of playfully brought that name back, Deb the Reb, um, for being rebellious. Um, And so she, uh, they gave her, I had to be a cesarean, and they gave her no anesthesia and cut her open to bring me into the world. Now, I have, I think I've heard that this has happened to some some people back in the day, but that sounds really horrible. And I think that I still have feelings about that. I think it's probably part of where I get nervous sometimes when people are in pain, because I think I probably felt it. Um, I was in an isolate for three months. And I went home to a violent alcoholic household. My father was a violent alcoholic, and I think my mother became an alcoholic, maybe wasn't as fully. She still did a lot of the good things that parents do to take care of their children. But um, I was I was um, a kid that had a lot of insight, a lot of feeling, a lot of question, and I was a struggling kid too. So I, they found out I was blind uh, a few months after I came home and or maybe shortly after I came home since it was three months in the womb, uh, I mean in the incubator. So um, I had light perception, which I, I am so grateful for. I still get it in a very weird way in my brain, but I think that that did a whole lot for me. Uh, and so I um, I was a curious child. I was curious about, about God. And I used to ask, does God wear shoes? And they told me yes, because they were thinking of Jesus wearing sandals. I used to reach up outside and see if I could touch heaven. And, uh, you know, of course I couldn't, but I would think about flying on clouds and, and sitting on, on the moon and riding around and touching the sun, you know, like crazy things. But I felt like everything was alive. I felt like every day had a different sound. I used to play with energy, with the, with something that felt like the air around me had texture. I actually think that really went along into experiences with healing. But at the same time, I was a struggling kid. I was angry and I was a brat and I felt bullied and left out and, and uh, you know, didn't like a lot of the patronizing and condescending that many of us still deal with at times today. So I was a struggling kid. And the more angry I got, the more trouble I was in and the more I felt bullied, the more angry I got. And so I was mixed in school. And as time went on, I I didn't do as well. And I, I 
really was bored in school. I was bored with a lot of things, with hearing tests. My mother used to say that they would give me hearing tests and I would stop raising my hand. It was like, okay, I've showed you that I've raised my hand. Now I'm tired of this. So <laughs> I was, you know, that rebellious kid. So uh, eventually my parents divorced when I was eight and we moved to Florida and um, I was still struggling. And every now and then I would have kind of a spiritual experience and then I'd I'd say, okay, I'm going to stay with this now. And then I'd go back into the human. And as time went on, I said, you know, this human stuff is like, it's sort of like Swiss cheese, you know? You're going along and then you fall in a hole and like, oh, there I am again. Okay. So I decided in high school that I wanted to major in psych. I really think I knew that I wanted help. I wanted somebody to understand me. And so I did go into my own therapy, and I also did go into psych and um, counseling and, I mean, in majors and started working with people really even back in the back in the 70s. Oh, and I started to also tell you as far as how back this goes, I was born two minutes before the polls closed when Eisenhower was elected in 52, two minutes before. So I used to say, did I don't know if somebody voted for me or I got here in time to vote. Maybe both. <laughs> but my mother always said, you live in a sighted world and you live in a man's world. And I said no to both. I said, if that were true, I wouldn't be here. So I went along and uh, always knew that I identified with sort of a non-traditional religion. Um, I, I have deep feelings for Jesus, but I, I think I look at it more metaphysically. And um, I, have, I have always been interested in sort of the energy medicine, the alternative uh, health care, which I went on and did a lot of, um, gosh, so long ago. Um, but I also went on, I taught college, I taught psych uh, I, and counseling and uh, college success skills, career planning, and then saw people privately. Uh, and then I later on went into the massage field, and um, I guess I've always known that people's people need their our bodies need to be loved. Now I'm not talking about that in a sexual way, but I think we need to feel loved, and our bodies need to feel nurtured and certainly safe. So somewhere some years ago, when I was at a meditation retreat. Uh, it came to me that my biggest struggle was about being blind and vulnerable and in a body. And boy, oh boy, Pam, I bet you that you are uh, going to capitalize on this in some of what you will talk about, because I know that sexuality has been um, something that you've also addressed with people. And and. My friend, who's a sexologist, who many of you heard me um, have on different shows, Marilyn Volker, she's always really working with people more on relationships because it's much more about how do we relate? How do we feel safe? How do we 
really relate to our own bodies. Well, if other people are handling us and pushing and pulling us around and trying to mix, push, move our food around and fix our clothing and, and, you know, wiping something off our faces or something like that, how do we find our own sense of self in that body? And so I think a lot of my work has been about helping people all people, not just blind people or people first who happen to be blind, to find that self-worth. But to find that and to own our bodies, I feel that many of us deal with over-processed food and under-processed emotion. To me, emotion is not about blame or about right or wrong. It's not about finding what's fair and who did what. It's more about what is our experience? What is my experience? What is your experience? And finding the empathy from all of our experience to, to know that we have far more in common than what's different. I think we, we really, I, I heard a nun once say that it's up to us to forgive ourselves and up to God to forgive everyone else. So, I have a play name, and Rachel's waiting for the funny stories, and maybe we'll get to some of those. But I have a play name that I gave myself some years ago. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I, I've been teased about Witch Hazel and Hazel Witch and Hazel Nut and, you know, because of Hazelton. So I, one day I came up with the Woo Woo Wacky Witch Hazel. And Woo Woo, I spell it differently. Some of you who know me on Dice World know I spelled it. I spell it W-U-W-U. And Woo Woo, in, for me, stands for Wonderful Universe, Wonderful You, because I really believe the universe is wonderful and that we all are wonderful in our own way. And Wacky, Woo Woo Wacky, Wacky, I think it's good to be a little wacky. I thrive on sense of humor. I love it. And so then people would say, well, why are you saying which? What does that mean to you? And I said, you know what? I, I think it's, it's cool. I don't know if I really was a witch, but I can relate to some of it. I've probably been the wicked witch a time or two. But which, I decided it's an acronym. I made up an acronym, and I love acronyms. If you ever want help with those, call me because I think they're fun. But which for me stands for what if trust can help? What if trust can help? I think trust is a beautiful thing. And when I'm struggling, which still is far often with lots of things and lots of situations, I remind myself, trust, trust. And wow, when I let go and trust whoever, whatever it is you want to call it, him or her, a, a team, uh, angels, guides, whatever, but trusting and wow, it works out. So I know I could talk, and I probably have lots of um, lots of other things I could tell you. But I think I need to uh, let you hear Pam because I know she's going to talk about joy, and I think that joy is one of those things. Joy is not about happiness, and it's not always about laughter, but it's a certain kind of passion. And I think as we can be in joy, that's something that no one can take away from us, and it's a wonderful thing. So let's hear Pam, and then let's see where we go after this. But thank you so much for being here, and thank you for listening. So thank you, Debbie, so much. We we really, really appreciate your your, your time and, and what you've been telling us. Thank I, you. You will have a lot of people that are 
feeling with you right now. Thank you. Uh, let me just, our second inspirational speaker is the founder and chief executive officer of the coaching company called The Joy Filled Life, which empowers women to live the life of their dreams by integrating faith, personal development, and professional goals. She's chaired numerous committees in ACB, including multicultural affairs and international relations. And she's the first African-American to be elected to the ACB board of directors and a second vice president. She has a master's degree in social work from Howard University and a post-master's certificate in family therapy from Catholic University of America. She has more than 40 years of professional social work experience in the areas of homelessness, community mental health, child welfare, family services, and disability rights. She served as the director of Pennsylvania's Bureau of Blindness and Visual Services and the ADA coordinator for the state's career link system. Plus, she's an associate minister at the Vision of Hope Baptist Church. Pam Shaw, take it away. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to be here. And you will have to forgive me for all of this excitement, but I am on stage with one of my sheroes, and that is Debbie Hazelton. Whoever thought this would happen? And and so just get ready because you're going to hear me say a lot of, as Debbie said, <laughs> because it so touches me. And I want to thank you, first of all, to all of you for even coming out to you know, this, this sister power happy hour experience. I don't know about you, but I need it. And I frankly need it every day. So I thank you for being part of the power that I feel to just make it through day to day. Now, as we ramp it up a little bit, I know that we're in the, the proper world and we want to do everything just so. And so we use that word sister, S-I-S-T-E-R. But I have a bit of another circle when it comes to people like you. And I like to call us sisters. See, it's a different word, S-I-S-T-A-H. And when you got a sister, you got somebody who feels it, somebody who knows it, somebody who gets it, somebody who loves you. And you can just be very, very real with that person without feeling judged. And so there's some things that I want to share with you uh, this afternoon, because I think that... Sometimes we tend to cover up and we don't want people to know certain things. But I think what you will find is what I have found is that we are more alike than we are different. We may have different circumstances. We may come from different cultures and ethnic backgrounds, but we've got a lot in common. And that's what I tend to celebrate every day. Now, first of all, just for the sake of clarifying something, the one question that I've been getting over the last few months uh, from my ACB family is, Pam, where have you been? And I just only want to share with you a saying that my grandmother used to say to us all the time. And she used to say, look, every goodbye ain't gone and every shut eye ain't sleep. So you may not have heard me or seen me, but I assure you, I was paying attention to what has been going on. I'd like to also say to you that when I use this word power, I don't believe power is power until you really use it. So let me share with you just a little bit how it has shown up in my life. I am 
um, the fourth of six children. There are three boys and three girls. And I have the distinction in my mother's story of my birth of being the child who interrupted her pinochle game. She said she was in the midst of the game. She hadn't had a good hand all night. And then all of it, it came at the same time that she went into labor. And she says she was determined she wasn't going anywhere to deliver any baby until that card game is over. So the card game obviously got over and I got born. But the one thing I would say to you is I think I got out of my birth that sense of determination. That sense of setting a goal, no matter how it may how strange it may seem to some people, but just going ahead with it. So I had the distinction of being this child, and I, I thought about a lot that Debbie was sharing about being blind and, and growing up and some of the kinds of things that we have gone through. Um, I went from being very, very dependent and being very spoiled and getting people to do things for me to even going through a period where I didn't even want anybody to know that I was blind. And it's a funny story because there are people who tell me that the way I travel, they wonder if I do have vision. No, I don't. But what happened was, as I was going into my teenage years, my sister, who was older than me, I wanted to go everywhere she went. And she said to me, she said, you can't go any place with me looking like you can't see. So Pam, in her infinite wisdom, decided to practice walking around as if I could see. And strangely enough, there are times when I kind of got away with it. But then I, as time went on, I've learned to celebrate and enjoy who I am and what I am in every single circumstance. In going to school, I saw a lot of opportunity. Um, I was able to go to the city's academic high school and one of the first blind students to graduate from it. You know how it is. People are always telling us what we can't do and it's going to be hard. And many of us go through life trying to convince everybody and ourselves that we can do what sighted people do, where we can do what this one does. And I shared earlier this afternoon, I saw this in my educational career, that I always was trying to be the best because what I was taught was that as a blind person, I had to work harder and I had to be better and I had to do more than and I had to be first when it came to my sighted colleagues. But let me share something with you. And after some time on this road called life, I changed my mind. I don't have to be better than anybody. I just have to be the best of myself. I have to be the best that I can be in my own world based on standards that I set. Because the hard part about trying to be better than sighted people, frankly, I wasn't sure who I was supposed to be better than. And there were some people where being better than them meant being the kind of person that I didn't want to be. It meant being insensitive. It meant being unfair. It meant loving people just because of external characteristics like the color of their skin. That's not my world. I just love people, and that's the way it is. And so through my educational career, because I had received so much good help, good counseling, good therapy along the way, I was attracted to the helping professions. And I chose social work because I came across so many people who were not, they weren't as fortunate as I was. And I wanted to give back, and I knew that I had something to give. And so when I got to Howard University and I wanted to take an internship in a social welfare agency and they said, you can't do 
that because you have to go into bad neighborhoods and something bad is going to happen to you. So no, it won't. And I went anyway and I made a lot of friends too. People looked out for me and they cared about me. And so I learned, don't assume that people are a certain way because they live a certain way or because they don't have what you have. And as I began to move in this field, as I began to be in, uh, you know, really interested in mental health, one of the things that caught my attention was family, 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 family. And at that time, I mostly I think I focused on the biological things, my own family, because I am also, and Debbie, thank you so much for being so transparent. You have helped me. I am the adult child of an alcoholic. And one of the differences in our family was the alcoholism was to be kept a secret. No one knew outside of the family what was happening in the house. And we were not to tell anybody. That even meant that sometimes we couldn't have company because it, the rule was we didn't want to know people to know what was going on with daddy. And so that's why a lot of the challenges, and unfortunately for someone like me, one of the habits that I picked up was I learned to keep secrets, but I also learned that I couldn't trust people. And so that's been something that I still work on to this day. And I've had very various relationships, uh, romantic, if you want to call it that, relationships that I know now broke up because I didn't have the ability to trust. And that's something that I have worked on. And I'm very glad to be a trusting person, not a foolish person, but a trusting person. So when I started in family therapy, it just so happened that my first instructor was also a sex therapist. And because some of the things he shared in class, I began to be very, very interested in this field. And I took the courses and I certified in sex therapy because it's very different than what most people think about. First of all, particularly for us as women, we are mind, we are body, and we are soul. And if we neglect any of those areas, we leave out a very important piece of who we are. And I will tell you that not talking to us as blind women and not talking to other blind women, do you know that there are sighted people who believe that blind people never have sexual relationships? And so I asked the person one time, and I wasn't trying to be facetious, I just wanted an answer. Where do you think blind people's children come from? And and. People said, you know, I never thought about it that way. Well, you should, because we are human, and we do what other people do, and we have dreams, and we have, by the way, beautiful, wonderful, well-adjusted children. We can do that. So taking up talking about sexuality in a healthy way is good for everybody. It's part of our um, mental health. And so I used to talk to rehab people said, well, some people said, I don't know. Yes, yes. Because if you don't talk about it, if you don't get a healthy notion of what it means to be a sexual being, you may find yourself in some very unhealthy environments. And so it was a wonderful thing to go to that through that time where I got a chance to practice with people, got a chance to share with people. Oh, excuse me, when I said practice with people, I didn't mean it that way. Okay. <laughs> I just meant in the course of the practice, but it's been really, really good. I want to also share with you um, before I close out is two things. Number one, I want to take the word power itself and just reflect with you on the letters in the word, because the P for me means purpose. 
everybody has a purpose on this earth. Everybody has something to give. And your purpose may change throughout your lifetime. And that's why sometimes we panic when we don't want to do something anymore or we go in a different direction, but that's living out your purpose. The other thing is opportunity. There are many opportunities that I have let go by because I was fearful. Someone said something to distract me or to make me think I couldn't. But anytime you get an opportunity, take it, my sisters. The other thing is we got to do the work. Yeah, we got to do the work. No fairy dust coming down and sprinkling on us. No fairy godmothers to turn us into Cinderella's. It's just the work that we do. And you can hear from the work that Debbie does why she is so successful. The E is also for excitement. We've got to be excited about the things within our life, even with the things that hurt. I'm excited about being here today because let me tell you why. I'm in the middle of moving. My house is a mess. I can't find anything. I hit myself in the mouth with the t- with the freezer door, the top of freezer door, and I knocked my teeth tooth out a couple of days ago. And the dentist gave me to put some he put something in in its place, but it fell out, and now I can't find it. So I am not coming on video with a tooth missing from my mouth. You can forget it. So I'm so glad that this is audio, <laughs> but I am still excited about being here in the Power Hour. You know why? Because those things are circumstances. They don't rob my joy. Because I can have joy without, regardless of the circumstance. It's an inner peace. It's an inner love. It's an inner happiness. It focuses on not what is all the time, but what can and what will be. So I invite you to enjoy life. That's what it's all about. Take the power. It's yours, and it's nothing unless you use it. And then no matter what's going on, make it a happy hour. So to my sisters, I say thank you, and I'm glad to be here. And that ends my presentation, Anne. Oh, that's outstanding. Thank you so much. Uh, You both are great. Now, do you want to, you mentioned something about maybe wanting to have a dialogue with each other for about five minutes before we get to questions. Do you still want to do that? I'd love that. Okay. So, Debbie. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, Debbie, one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you about as I listened to you and you talked about mm-hmm. how um, even in the mental health field, you began to work with people. I like this idea about you being interested in energy. Can you say a little bit more like that? That's a girl's thing? Well, you know, I think we really are we are all energy. We're all made of this, whatever this, I think of it as an essence presence that's, that's everywhere. I mean, in, in this house, we have a joke. We say there's, there's nowhere God is not. And then we play with it and we say, there's nowhere God is not. <laughs> and, you know, what we really mean is that this energy, this substance is everywhere. And I think we're made of it and it's mm-hmm. all around us. And, so as we learn that we can sort of shape it with mm-hmm. our minds and and uh, how we think about um, our lives and our our lots of things, I, I just think it's it's an everywhere kind of thing. Mm. Um, 
And we can, I mean, I think if you, if you rub your hands together and then you move them apart and you feel something between your hands, you might feel what people often refer to as a ball of energy. You might feel heat. And if you move them out from each other further, you might see how big you can make that ball. And then if you put your hands after you've rubbed them together, if you put them um, up, uh, by your throat, but leave them out like a couple of inches and put them, move them up around your ears and your head. See if you can feel that energy, that presence from, and that's a space that's between your hands and you, but you're not, they're not touching, but there's, uh, there's like something. It's like that same, maybe it's similar to that same something that we can feel when someone is walking up and they're behind us and we can feel them watching us. We can feel them nearby or even feel, I remember one time saying to my sister, wow, I could feel this server that we had across the restaurant. I felt like she was staring at me and my sister said, yes, she was. I could feel it. And you know how when you walk into a room and there's tension or there's something funny, but you aren't even necessarily hearing it, but you know, you know that things have been going on in that room. I think that's energy. Yeah, I think you're right, because I think that's where the and I purposely did that because that's where I think the R comes for in power and it's resilience. Oh, I love it. See, because of the energy, you're you're able to bounce back. You're able to stand it. You're able to take it. Yes. And people don't even, people wonder how you're doing it. That's one of it. So I guess maybe you and me, Deb, we could talk we, a lot. We but could, but I want to. Maybe we want to. Yeah, but I want to say something about one of the things that you said that I think is, is, has been a major key for me. And you said you thanked me for being transparent and you talked about how, how you can go around and, you know, just feel wonderful, even though things are not always so wonderful, like with your tooth and everything. See, I think we have, um, I used to say wanting perfection is wanting protection. I think when people are very perfectionistic that, you know, there's just a whole lot of stuff going on there that I'm sure you and I could talk about even more and we deal with with other people and with ourselves. But there's sort of a paradox for me that knowing in a way that my worst stuff, even if I don't go around, you know, talking about it, that my worst stuff is the same stuff in other ways of other people. So we don't have to feel ashamed. We don't have to feel like we're carrying around secrets and we don't have to divulge them. We can choose that this is private, but we don't have to hide something being on guard because we're ashamed. And I think I heard you saying that too. And I think that's real important, real wonderful. And we internalize shame. We internalize other people's fear and other people's, oh, oh no, how can you, oh, you can't. And, you know, we, we end up feeling like, oh, I needed a ride and I needed help with this. And I, oh, I inconvenienced somebody and oh no. And, you know, we could take that into shame. So I think you know that. I think you, you, that bit about being transparent is very, very important. And thank you for that, really. Mm, so wonderful. Very exciting. <laughs> yes, we'll have to be in touch. This is great. <laughs> great, sister. Great. Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you both so much. Uh, this is great. Well, our host is Danette Dixon, so yes. I will turn it over you to you, Danette, to tell people how to raise their hands in. And Danette's a lot of fun, man. Thank She's you. playful and fun, and yeah. 
So um, to raise your hand, it's Alt-Y on the PC. And on the Mac, it's Command-Shift. No, it's Alt-Y on the PC. Options-Y on the Mac. And on the iPhone, it's in the lower uh, bottom. And on the landline, star nine. And when you're given permission to unmute on the computer, it's Alt-A. And on the Mac, it's Command-Shift-A. On the iPhone, it's in the lower left-hand corner. And on the landline, it's star six. And we do have lots of raised hands. (laughs) I thought we would. (laughs) Lynn, you can unmute. Hey, Lynn. Hello. First of all, Pib, this is Lynn Corral, and I am so hey. happy to hear you again. And, you know, the, only, the thing I remember most is when we co- come to the uh, booth, the information booth, and you say, you know, and, and Sandy would say he had the same birthday as you, which is really funny. That's and, of right. course, I, I've been a widow for five years now, and here I am in Washington State now. And, you know, I think I could relate to a lot of what you said. I always think after better everybody else now, I'm in a Ph.D. program, and I have a lot of chronic pain. And, you know, I'm still – but I'm still doing stuff. And, you know, we always have to prove I, – I know I've been trying to prove myself ever since I was born. What could I say? And, you know, I'm still doing it. And – you know, I live near my son now, but, you know, I think that, you know, when we, we are women and blind women, especially, and that's why I'm doing my PhD on blind women and their experiences of um, job seeking, because mm-hmm. there is nothing in the literature about it. Nothing, nothing. I haven't looked, believe me. And, you know, I think that we are just like nobody to, to, to the scholarly community, to the sighted community, to any of these communities. And, you know, I've, I've got struggles in school with the inaccessibility of stuff and it's an online program. So, you know, it's like, okay, you know, when are they going to make everything accessible? You know, really, you know, PDFs and templates that I have to deal with. This is my last class before dissertation. I mean, you know, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And, and you know, I think what, what we have to say about ourselves as sisters <laughs> is that, that we are, that we try so hard to be, um, kind of proving ourselves and think that we don't have to, you know, and, and to make sure that people like us. And I don't trust people very much. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just don't. I never have. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for me. But I have a lot of support with other students at the school. I try to help, I try to help them out. Um, I just helped somebody out who was in a class of mine last summer. And I, I connected her with somebody else I know in the same criminal justice program, I'm in public policy and administration, but um, I got them together because that's the kind of stuff I do, even if I'm going through stuff. So, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And I think, uh, and, and Debbie, you know, I totally agree with you about spirituality. Um, everything is energy, everything. Yeah. Uh, Wheatley said this, and, and there's, not, there's no empty space. It's all energy. So that's, that's, oh, that's who I am. Thank you, Lynn. Well, Lynn, what we didn't want to tell you is the, the thing was because Sandy and I had the same birthday, we are actually twins and we just did not want you to know, okay? <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> that a lot of this starts with, and I think Debbie helped me out with this, we have to start it, mm-hmm. okay? We have to start it in ourselves and we have to start it in the fellowship of blind sisters. And that's how we begin to bring that out to the rest of the world. I don't know, Deb, where you are in that one. I guess, you know, a lot of it from from life experience. And, you know, I've also had to learn when 
when to give and share and when not to and and sort of about boundaries, you know, like, I mean, I, I do like a phrase that I heard a minister say once that um, he said, uh, it's up to him to, uh, what did he say? Comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. And mm-hmm. so there are times when if I feel that people are just really invested in their woundology and they're choosing in a way to stay stuck. And you know what? Everybody has to have their timetable. There are times that I needed to go on and on and on about my stuff until I was ready to get out of that wine barrel. I needed to slosh around. And there may be still days that that could happen, but I get out of it a lot sooner. And I think that sometimes we need to let people be where they are and then, and then, when they want to come into the okay circle or they say, you know what, I really need, I really do want to get out of this. And, you know, then yeah. allow for that space, allow for that sharing. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Melissa Hudson, you can unmute. Melissa. Oh, there it is. Hi. Hey. Good, good afternoon. Hey. And uh, Pam, I just have to say, well, first of all, it's a pleasure to meet you and God bless you. Um, But I want to just say that I was sitting here saying, preach it. (laughs) (laughs) You ought to be a preacher there, sister. (laughs) I am. Well, I am too. I'm, I'm, are you? Yeah. I I am. Yeah. I am ordained. You too, Pam? I am indeed. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. Well, well, it's thank you both for just your inspirational words of wisdom and and uh, just you know just all of those great words. Mm. But my question that I have for both of you, and especially I want to ask this to Debbie because she does so much work for ACB Radio, and I have no clue mm-hmm. how she how she's able to do that and do other things, you know, at the same time. <laughs> what is it that motivates you to keep yourself going every day? Um, in your life. But what is it that motivates you and that just I think really puts that power? I know that I'm here for a reason. And I know that everything I'm doing is going is always going to contribute to what I'm here for. And I don't think I'm I don't think that I'm fully doing all of what I'm here for yet because I think there are a lot of, of other changes that are going to probably be happening that will bring out even more gifts and more talents and different things. But I think that everything I'm doing, like I think that when I'm dealing with all of the connections with Zoom and, and internet and I and the streams, that's another form of energy. It's just mm. different. It's with wires and things like that. But it's still about ways that we're all connected and it's still about helping other people to be connected. And, and so, yeah, I just think there's something about it that I just know. And the other W that's very important for me is wonderment. I thrive on wonderment. Like I'll, that will inspire me. I'll think of things like who put the wag in the dog's tail and who made the cat meow or the dog go woof woof. And who put cuteness in the world and where did play come from and things like that that just, I mean, I get, I can really just go and go and go with thoughts about stuff like that. And that, that also keeps me going. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Leslie, you can unmute. Hi guys. Thank there you, you are. So, Less mess. Hey. Yeah. Hey. So thank you so much for both your presentations. Always wonderful. I love the acronyms. I need to get creative. <laughs> Yeah. You, so. Okay. <laughs> I want to. I want y'all to teach me some acronyms. We'll so. make up some. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll make up one for auction. There you go. That's <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking of one, and I have to. I have to get with you so you can help me think. Okay. Tuesday. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to both of you. But great, great job. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you inspire me every day. Aww. And it was so good to hear Pam's story. I don't know mm-hmm. Pam. So um, after I think come, nice to Debbie, Debbie taught me everything I know on the computer. So oh, right, <laughs> I got a donut out of it, Leslie. I mean, Larry and I bit a donut that you would. Yeah. He said you wouldn't, and I said you would. Right. So, so how do you all think of the acronyms? I just start thinking I well, want. I know, one. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. For me, believe it or not, um, I used acronyms to learn how to spell. Oh, cool. And so often it comes out of the word itself. What am I thinking about when I think about that word? Now, I'll give you one just to get you started, Leslie. The Uh N in auction means no more money when it's over. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I I, I go to these auctions. (laughs) And if you think about the word. And uh-huh. what it really means to you. And then just play with those letters. And like I said, it was a good way for me to learn how to spell. That's great. That's I cool. love it, Pam. That's I like awesome. It. Thank you yeah. both so Thank much you, for Thank you, Leslie. your inspiration. Thank so, you. Take care. Mm-hmm. You too. And thanks for the auction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Area code 914745. Wait a minute. That sounds like New York. 951. Area code 951741. Okay. 951. You can unmute. Hi there. Hello. Area code 951. Hi, this is Nancy Younger, and I heard you give these <laughs> different different numbers, and I thought it was me, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't unmute for a moment there with my smartphone. Um, I, I liked your presentations very much. Debbie, I hope uh, if we get together for a, a regular kind of in-person convention, you can give me a massage. And, oh, okay, you know, thank you. Oh, um, right. But also... Well, that would be so nice if your if your skills skills are still up. I'm I'm all for it. Mm. Anyway, I love massages. Anyway, and, and Pam, are, are you in Philadelphia? What what exactly do you do with your coaching? I don't quite understand that yet. But sounds sure. Good. Well, two things. Number one, yes, I am in Philadelphia. And tomorrow, shameless plug, we actually are going to do a uh, workshop on coaching called Adventures in Coaching. But what I do is I work with women around living the life of their dreams. So that can show up in various ways or a combination thereof. Their faith what kind of person they want to be in personal development and their, their professional goals. So, so through a series of steps and sessions, we work them to, we work together to get that person where they want to be. And so that's basically coaching. Oh, oh, oh thank you. 
You're Thank welcome. You I think I'm streaming it too. I think so. So. And Rachel's told me Lindsay, I could. You can unmute. I'm sorry. Who? Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Rachel told you told me I could tell you funny stories. So she used to spend <laughs> a lot of times at my house, and there was one time she'd never forgotten. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was looking for something. I made mashed potatoes, and I accidentally put cumin in them. And um, she used to broadcast, and, and I knew nothing about broadcasting. And I mean, she would have cables strung across my living room all over the place. And one time, our, uh, one of our dogs had an accident, but it was in several places. There's nothing like two blind people trying to figure out where the dog had the accident. <laughs> So, yes, indeed. So, yeah, Rachel and I have lots of fun. We have, we were known for three in the morning breakfasts. I don't know if I could do that as much anymore, but we used to, I used to cook breakfast at three in the morning when she'd be at my house. So, yeah. <laughs> All Go right. ahead, Lindsay. Hello, this is Hi. my friend Stacy. We're conventioning together, so I'm sure if we can both talk. Okay. I'm totally blind. Okay, I was totally blind since I've been two and a half. I can relate to both of your stories because my father abused me and he shook me and threw me as an infant. So I lost my I, um, my optic nerve because disconnected. But I always say I could have been paralyzed or a vegetable. But, you know, being blind, I have to prove myself to along the years. And some people think you should be superhuman. You, you can't have any sexual desires. You can't flip a, a word once in a while by accident. If you say something wrong, they look at you like, what are you saying? But you have to be perfect, and I'm human too, you know. So I, I mm-hmm. relate to both of your stories, and thank you for sharing. Oh, thank and you. Too. Yeah, it got better for me when I started understanding that concept of um, progress and not perfection. I like that. You know yes. That? Yeah, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Sandra, you can unmute. Hello. Hi. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh wow. <laughs> did they, did they let somebody in here? <laughs> Hi, this is Sandra Sermon. Hey, Sandra. And you guys have filmed, and I, I know you, Debbie. I know. Sure I, you, okay. Yeah, uh, I remember. Pam, well, Pam. <laughs> And um, I'm, I'm glad you like the phrase that I, my favorite phrase, progress, not perfection, because for me, that that really is when um, things really started to get better for me, you know, when, when I understood, okay, look, I don't need to be perfect, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm never going to be perfect, but um, I just wanted to say that you guys both did an amazing job, wow, this is my first time attending um, a women's concerns meeting, but this will not be my last. So, oh, no, definitely right. fabulous, excellent, just um, an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. And Sandra, by the way, is one of those sisters, okay? <laughs> <laughs> She's a fantastic person oh. and has influenced me a lot. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Audrey, you can unmute. Audrey, hey. I saw your name in the list. 
Hello, Hi. everyone. It is so Hello. wonderful to hear so many people. I have not spoken to Debbie in so long, and I would love to, and to Lynn Correll, and just to hear all these wonderful acronyms. I'm agreeing with you, Leslie, on the, the WITCH and the POWER acronym. And just thank you, everybody. I'm glad we are all here together. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you... Suzanne, you can unmute. Well, you are a wonderful woman, Audrey, so I am very happy that you're here, and I know that you believe in some wonderful, many of the same things, so it's great that you're here. Thanks for the encouragement. I know I need it, so thank you. That means something, so thanks a lot. Yes. Sue, you can unmute. You are unmuted. Hi, this is Suzanne. Am I unmuted now? Yes. 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 Oh, we can hear uh-huh. you. Okay. I um, I don't know. A couple things. I have been a Pam fan for a long time. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and we both live in Philadelphia. And, mm-hmm. and we always used to say that uh, the only time we ever get to get together is when we're attending a meeting in another town. Yeah. <laughs> <And, laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, you know, I, I just think that um, sister power is is so infectious. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that's so important, and, and I wish I had had this um, earlier, earlier in my life, in my uh, late teens and 20s and things, I did not want to be blind. I just mm-hmm. did not want to associate with anybody who was blind. I didn't want to mm-hmm. have anything to do with it. And I made a lot of mistakes that I might not have made otherwise. Of course, I might have made them anyway. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, but, still. but I think wow. I think that this is so important. I love both of those acronyms. And I think maybe I might want to join the Women's Concerns Committee next year. Look at that. We would love it. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Andrea, you can unmute. There you go. Now you can unmute. I think that's the cat lady. Okay. I think I'm here. Yes. Yes. Hello. Uh, Debbie and Pam, I don't know Pam, um, but I, it was fabulous to hear you. And my roommate, who was listening too, said, can I get that as a podcast? I want to play that for my women's group um, wow. here at Real Institute in sure. Southern California. So I know this is being recorded, mm-hmm. so maybe um, it will be available. Yeah. I don't know. It Debbie, will. But, yes, it um, will. Thank you. I always feel so energized um, attending these events since my first ACB convention back in 2010. And um, I really just, and I hear so many people I know, um, Leslie and Nancy and lots of people that I know. And I just want to say that you guys are fabulous. I, um, Pam, you talked about hitting walls occasionally. Um, I hit a big wall about four years ago, had an opportunity to take a wonderful job um, that would have been fabulous for me. But um, I, it was just not a good time. There was just too much going on in my life. And I don't think I realized how um, overwhelmed and how unprepared I was until I started to get ready to travel to Florida to train for this job. 
And I just, something in me said, I can't do this. I just, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't. There's no more of me to give right now. I just, I don't have the energy to go to Florida for two weeks of training. Um, I'd been through a divorce. I just found out my dad was ill. There was mm-hmm. just so much going on. And we just think we can give and give and give and keep going. And at some point, we have to acknowledge that we need to stop and heal and, re, you know, rejuvenate, re-energize ourselves because, uh, you know, you just, um, we women are so strong and we're, you know, we're uh, behind a lot of what gets done in the world, but there are times when um, you just have to stop and say, okay, enough, got to take a breath. That's right. So thank you so, so much. That's very true. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Terry Patenko, you can un- you can unmute. Uh oh. Oh no. <laughs> Just a second. Uh-uh. Well, well. <laughs> there you go. Now you can unmute. <laughs> now I can unmute. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I have to tell you that this is I was so sorry to have missed the beginning of this, but I was on another call that I had to be I, there was personal invitation type thing. Um but I couldn't get off of it fast enough to get here because I am so delighted that Pam Shaw is back. <laughs> there is no one who I have respected more in this organization, I don't think, oh. in years gone by than Pam. And I had more fun with, actually. Stop <laughs> <laughs> <Back> talking. <laughs> Pam, Shaw, Pam Shaw used to do the, what did we used to call it? First timers or something oh, the, yeah. for all for all the new people, uh, the newbies at convention, oh, yes, and there is no one who could enthu- could create so much enthusiasm in our first timers at convention, and um, trust me, they need you back because I mean, oh. I'm not not that I'm saying that uh, whoever no. did it, I think it was Cindy, whoever did it this year didn't do a good job, but there is no one who could. Who can arouse a group like Pam can? And I remember a horrible thing that happened one year. I want to say we were in Pittsburgh, but I don't remember for sure. When something came up and Pam turned to me and said, would you do what I can't? And I was like, you want me to do what you usually do? I am not that kind of a facilitator. I think half the group fell asleep before I did. But I am just so, so thrilled that Pam is back. With us, and um, hey, girlfriend, welcome back. <laughs> hey, sister girl, good to see hear you. Too. You know, I will say this though, Terry, and I think, and I and I hope I made this clear. You know, during the presentation, so much of the energy that I have comes to me from other people. Mm-hmm. When people come here and it's their first time, that's a magic moment. Sure. And and so for me, I'm excited. For them, and I and I hope that's what comes through to, for me. Um, I spent a number of years on the information desk, and I was excited by everybody who came by, even the people uh-huh. who were mad at me and complaining. I still was excited by them. So thanks for that's all of that, nice. and baby, I'm back. <laughs> that's nice. Isla, you can unmute. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so this is super ironic since she just said all of that um, because this is my first time. <laughs> hey. And um, I, I know Debbie and I saw Debbie's name. I didn't know what I was coming into, but I saw <laughs> Debbie's name on it. And I am so happy. 
Oh, my gosh. Like, I just want more. (laughs) You guys are terrific panelists, but the energy and the excitement from the participants has mm-hmm. been just amazing. I'm like all shaky. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. So, yeah, you bring a heck guys. of a lot to this community. So yeah, yeah. I you love really you do. Guys so much. Aww. I'm I love so you glad too. to be part of this community. Oh, wow. thank you. Love you too. Yes, indeed. Monica, you can unmute. Monica. Mm. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I just want to say I've gone through every emotion in this presentation, which is great. I've gone from laughter to wonderful tears. And it's just, they couldn't have picked two people to go together. Pam, I don't know you. I look forward to getting to know you. Debbie, I... I mean, this, it was just God, because a few weeks ago, I was talking to Debbie about an issue, and she said, if you wait to do something, you're not going to be perfect. You got to look at progress. Mm-hmm. And what oh did you goodness. say, Pam? <laughs> you said progress and not perfection. That's right. That's I, it's just, wow. I, I was listening on ACB Media 2, and I left to come into the Zoom <laughs> room just to say how much Aww, I appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank wow. you. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Mm, that's sweet. Oh, Monica, Mitchell, you bring you so unmute? much. What? They let guys in here after all, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mitchell, what's up? <laughs> Hello. Mitchell, you should be unmuted. There you are. We hear you. Yep. Hey, thanks. This is my first convention. I wasn't expecting to be entertained so good as what you guys did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) We are Martin and Lewis in our spirit. (laughs) 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 Don't stop working. So good with this ACB media. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, it's a wonderful team that I work with. I could not do it. That's one of the things that I've learned a lot about in this job is teamwork. And I was intimidated at first. I was intimidated to work with some of the people and thinking, oh, what if they don't like me? And what if I don't like them? And how are we going to do all this? And some of them are some of my... I mean, we all have each other's back, and we all are just a wonderful team. And even if we're sometimes frustrated with rah, 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 we get over it and we get on with it. And and so I'm super proud. This team has taught me a lot more about managing and all of us working together. That's really been some of the biggest uh, gain for me in in all of what we've done that I know I will take forward in uh, in this life. So, thank you. Claire Stanley, you can unmute. Oh, there's someone I've missed Claire, a lot. Yeah. Claire, have I missed you? Hello. Hi, Debbie. Hi. I miss you. I miss hearing your voice on staff calls. Oh, I know. <laughs> I miss yours. Gosh. Oh. <laughs> it's sad to be away from you guys. And mm-hmm. uh, Pam, I just wanted to say that 
Um, I can so relate to the the stories of, you know, saying I have to be better than everybody else in order to succeed as somebody with a disability. So mm-hmm. uh, I definitely felt that way all through school and grad school and so on. Uh, one question or just thought that I would love to hear you ladies perspective on is someone far wiser than me. Um, I love that you guys talked about the whole idea of uh, inspiring other people. But I know for me as somebody who has been called inspiring so many times throughout my life as somebody who's blind, I kind of get a little weird about that word. I call Mm -hmm. it the I word because, oh, Claire, you're so inspiring, you know? (laughs) And so how do we inspire other people without being the cliche inspirational blind person? You know, how do, how do we see it as both a good thing, but also not, you know, get a little weird about it because I I'm sure everybody's nodding. We've all been told it. And sometimes you're like, Oh, that's not what I want to be. So just Mm -hmm. thought it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts. Well, I had a, I had an experience at the end of 2011 where I, I just suddenly got moved to ask, okay, spirit, what am I here for? And I was like, I know, I feel like I know, but, but tell me. And it, I felt like I heard to inspire. And I said, yeah, I know. And, and I'm, I feel like I do that, but I get tired of. And they said, well, you need to be nicer to people. And I went, oh, wow. Okay. Well, so I know that for some people, knowing that as a blind person, I do such and such, if that inspires them, sometimes that is a landmark moment for them. And I have no right to take that away from them. That doesn't mean I have to stay there and keep doing all of those things. But if that's what they get, and that's all they get, then that's where they are. And I can I can go on and say, well, here's what, you know, because I tell people more and more, you know what, I live in the unspe- unseen, unseen, and that's where spirit does most of its work, and I have a head start. And they get it or they don't, but I just keep going. And, you know, I, I just try not to really let that stuff bother me so much anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think for me, it was partially because... I didn't believe I was inspiring people. Um, And I actually took it as people, it was something people said to make themselves feel better because they felt kind of weirded out a little bit because I'm blind. And I changed kind of the meaning of the word because it is frankly a privilege and an honor to inspire someone. Because God knows in this world we live, we get enough discouragement and people Mm -hmm. are getting enough put down. And so if my little bit made them feel a little bit better or they had a little bit of an easier walk, I don't know all that. But I'm happy to do it because I can't really control what they say, even what they think or what they mean. But I can control how I receive it and how I give it out. So me... I just have now turned that word into just a simple compliment, and I just say thank you, and I thank God if I made a a second's difference, a moment's difference, to make their life a little bit better. Nice. Um, We do have nine people who have their hand raised, and we have five minutes left. Yeah. Okay. So, uh uh-oh. Natalia, you can unmute. Oh. 
Hi there. Hi. Hi. Um, I don't know either of you personally. I just wanted to say thank you so much for your presentation. Um, Debbie, I've seen you around. You are on the blind buy and sell list with me. I am oh, yes, in the process yes. of moving to Ireland. Mm-hmm. And ah. uh, you're oh, yes. on the thank list you. together. But I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for your presentation. It was it was amazing. Thank oh, you. Thank you. It a lot. Thanks. Donna, you can unmute Donna Pomerantz. Yay. Hey, sister girl. Hello. 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 I just wanted to say quickly, thank you both for saying yes to our invitation. Um, Mm. Both of you are so, so busy. And I just wanted to quickly jump in and say thank you both Mm. for saying yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Two one five six forty. You can unmute. Oh, that's my area code. Too. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, what did I do? Just a second. Hello. Hi. I am unmuted. Betty yes. I, uh-huh. I knew it. <laughs> How are you? I am so proud of you. I am so proud of Philadelphia. It is unbelievable. If, you know, Miss Shaw is, and I, I am glad you're back too. You were way too long from this visit. You oh, had me to organize sweet. banquets and and uh, volunteers and uh, be there to help you find a table and whatever and even pour a, help you pour a glass of water during a convention. I'm a terrible pour. She did a zippity zap. And I just finished working with her in the uh, state legislative seminar. And she's incredibly patient. She's an amazing mentor and a, an amazing teammate to work with. Yeah, what happened is this little girl is very poor and she is very cold in the winter. And her only friend is a supportive, playful kitty cat. So she was given a magic crayon, and if she draws an O on that kitty cat, the cat, C-A-T, turns into a coat, C-O-A-T. And in the summer, she can erase that O, and the coat loses the O and becomes a cat again. (laughs) Anyway, what I'm so proud of of having a a view, I can't wait to see you in coaching tomorrow, (laughs) Pam, I cannot wait. And, uh, and Debbie, is, what you do with uh, ACB Radio or media or whatever we're calling it nowadays. I'm sorry, I am going to mute you because we... And I am so sorry that that and, noise and came on. From Linda Perel last. Okay. Oh, goodness, Linda, God. There you go. <laughs> Danette, thank you so much. When I saw that unmute thing come up, I'm like, oh. me? Well, <laughs> ladies, I, will, I really appreciate... You're accepting our invitation from ACB Women to come into this call and that you're doing some great recruiting for us as well, clearly. I want to put you both on notice that we have a monthly community call and we will be hunting you up to come back and share part two and part three and part two to keep us going. So thank Thank you you. both. Just want to say one quick thing. Um, you both talked about coming from a family with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It just always amazes me that those so many of us in the mental health field 
come from sure. that background. Mm-hmm. And that just, just uh, you know, we just learn at an early age to be attentive to people's needs mm-hmm. and to see and to know pain when we see it. That's true. And many of us have survived, uh, had many wonderful strengths in COVID. Did you find that, Pam? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, you, speakers. Thank you. Wait. Of course. Take care. All right. So we are live now on ACB Media One. I almost said ACB Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Old dogs and new tricks, everybody. Is that how we are here? The new mid year. That's another five. It is. Yeah. We have a thing for our leadership conference where we say, if we say mid year, which is what it used to be called. All right, so welcome everybody listening in on ACB Radio. I I don't have to pay you five if I just said it as an example. (laughs) So, all right, we're going to be getting ready in just a second. Uh, We got it? Okay, so um, everybody listening on ACB Media One right now, we're going to go ahead and get started. We're going to pop up live in a few minutes on our YouTube live channels and all that stuff. But I know we got a lot of people listening on their Alexa devices around the country. Uh, as well as people listening on ACB Media One. So we're running half an hour late tonight. We apologize for the technical difficulties, uh, but that's how this thing happens. This is our first live primetime event. Uh, and, you know, there's always going to be something that has to get worked out in the wash a little bit, some kinks and holes in the boat, but we plugged them up and we're ready to set sail in just a second. So uh, we are live on, uh, on social media. And we are live now on social media. So good evening, everybody. Let's get this show on the road finally. My name is Tony Stevens, the Director of Advocacy for the American Council of the Blind. It's Saturday evening in Maryland and Washington and Virginia and the DMV, as we call it. We're here at the National Office of the American Council of the Blind. I'm joined with a guest next to my side, another guest on another side of a wall, and some guests from all around the country right now. Welcome to the Get Up and Get Moving presentation for the American Council of the Blind's 60th Annual Conference and Convention. We are doing a virtual kickoff tonight for this wonderful campaign that's going to be going for the next three years. We're going to all be tired. I think we're already tired now, and we literally just took our first step. So these things are a marathon in terms of the convention. So we appreciate everybody's patience as we got going and finally got up and running tonight and on the air. So I am welcomed here tonight by the committee for the Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Outstanding set of advocates from around the country and some of our staff as well with the American Council of the Blind that are working hard to create a campaign that will run for the next three years. As we come out of the pandemic, we're not coming out quiet. We're taking back our health, taking back our independence, and we're working with our partners and people around the country to expand opportunity to foster the life that we deserve as people who deserve equality and inclusion, particularly as we've all come out of this health pandemic, knowing that the healthcare system is so critical Our health is so critical, and it's important that we work together to help lift ourselves all up. So in that spirit of the values of the American Council of Blind, I'm going to welcome my my co-pilot here right now who's been hanging on through some turbulence, Clark Rockfall, Government Affairs and Advocacy Director for ACB. Hello, Clark. Hello, Tony, and hello, ACB. Clark, I love that enthusiasm, which is why I love love you being my co-pilot right now. And not only am I welcomed by Clark, but we've also got Jennifer Flatt, our communications manager, who's with us tonight on staff. And I want to thank Jolyn Bailey-Page, who's been flying behind the scenes. She's been sort of the, the navigator, the radar person that's, that's in the back of the plane flying us off. And exciting, exciting to have the 
the president of the American Council of the Blind tonight to kick off the campaign and to welcome us all listening in on YouTube Live and on Facebook and over ACB Media, Dan Spoon. Dan, hello, sir, Mr. President. Applause. Yes, one fan. Oh, that, that was Terry. Hello, Terry. Hey, Dan. Did you hear me? I heard you, Terry. Hey, Dan. Thank you so much, Dan, for, for coming on and being a part. And just welcome. Let's have a nice warm welcome from Orlando, Florida. Oh, well, thank you, Tony. And, and welcome to the launch, the official launch of the Get Up and Get Moving campaign, a campaign that will run for three years that really will focus on not only bringing our community involvement and engagement to the larger the larger community our neighborhoods our our local gyms our uh, you know our our walking trails our paths you know the the opportunity for our blind and visually impaired low vision community to take advantage of those assets that are made available to everyone and why not us and so that's an important leg and then the second leg is really the access to health equipment. And, and really, you know, it's something that many of us are living as we age, as baby boomers, as folks that are in that next generation, that we really are seeing this huge surge in technology and our community is being left behind. And this has even hit me very personally with heart monitoring that I had to have done a few months ago that very easily could be accessible for me, but was not. You know, it was all run through a smartphone. We all know with our iPhones and all that, how with voiceover, how accessible that can be, but it wasn't. And I had to have a sighted colleague, a sighted friend come and check to make sure my lights were green and my monitor was working properly. And it's not just that it's unfortunate, it's totally unacceptable. As blind people, we cannot stand by and let our health care be treated like we are second-class citizens. And so advocacy is a huge part of this campaign. Exercise and getting inclusion inside those common areas that our society takes, care, takes advantage of, whether it be in a hotel or a gym or path, is also very important. And third... It's just a wonderful opportunity for us to engage in the larger community. And, and I think there's a real opportunity here for our corporate partners to get behind us, support this initiative, and with the time and the, the talent and the treasure of our members, we can move this initiative forward and become truly the get up and get moving community that is the American Council of the Blind. So thank you, Tony. Thanks for being here. Thanks for launching this campaign. And all I can say is hip, hip, hooray. Go get them, guys. We can do hip, this hip, and we can do it well. Hip, hip, thank hooray. You. Excellent. Mr. President, thank you so much, Dan. And, and, and thank you for such a rousing and, and, and personal sort of kickoff to this event. Uh, I also want to welcome Eric Bridges, our executive director, who's here in our office today as well in Alexandria, Virginia. Eric, good evening. Good evening, Tony. I'm so happy to be here. I'm Thanks happy so much for being here. I mean, it's you're off. only about 12 feet from us right now on the other side of the wall. <laughs> Man, we gotta find another it. chair. <laughs> That's what we need. We hear so. an echo, Eric. No, just yeah. No, but we. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Eric and myself and Clark and all of us on staff have been working closely with this committee 
that I'm, I'm fortunate about to introduce. Um, you know, Eric, I'd like to just throw it to you real quick um, in terms of the, the advocacy and work that we've done for years, but the need to bring this to a larger spotlight. Um, you know, we, we work behind the scenes oftentimes with a lot of these companies, uh, but sometimes it's it's hard to get through. Large corporations sometimes have obstacles, roadblocks. They're designed to not always hear the voices of people, which is part of the reason of the campaign. Eric, I know you got your start in advocacy as the former director of advocacy and external affairs for ACB before you took on the helm to be my boss, the executive director for ACB. Uh, any words of, of advice and, and enthusiasm to get us started as someone who's been in the trenches for so long uh, to know that now we have the chance for the campaign to really amplify our voice? Well, this is the first time we've done something like this at, at this scale and with the communications channels that we have at our disposal to really communicate not just our wants, but but our, our absolute needs. You know, our community uh, has not been as visible out about in society, just living life as others. And there are, you know, there are multiple reasons for that. And, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that this evening. But, you know, the 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 lack of accessibility of, as Dan was talking about, you know, uh, healthcare uh, devices, uh, durable medical equipment, things of that nature, but then also the fitness, exercise and fitness uh, arena. You know, the work that we've done over the last year with Peloton to make that, uh, their bikes accessible uh, with a touchscreen user interface, you know, pretty tremendous. We, we've done this in other areas, Tony, you know that, and so does Clark. You Both of you have worked in this arena for, for a while. And, you know, we've, we've been able to make what seemingly was the impossible possible. And I, I believe firmly that over the next two to three years, through, through this campaign and the advocacy component of it, the, the awareness um, of, of the needs of our community is going to go up, but also the, the creativity and ingenuity of, of this industry is likely going to be enhanced. And with our collaboration, collaboration is, uh, is one of our five core values, uh-huh. um, and we take it very seriously at ACB. It's, it's part of our culture. Uh, through the collaboration that we will have with either the, the durable medical equipment field or the exercise and fitness field, we will make significant strides. And in doing so, more of our folks are going to get to be more independent <clears throat> and ultimately take back their own health care. Fantastic. Eric, thank you so much. And, and, and that's what this is all about, taking back our health. Yep. I'm joined by an outstanding committee that, that is really helping us move this mountain right? with the obstacles we know. And for many of us, it's been very personal, the challenges we've had with our health. Uh, we're excited to have uh, a, a, an outstanding committee I'm going to introduce now. We're going to start with the chair of the committee, Tom Tobin. And Tom is from Cleveland, Ohio. Tom, I'm going to let you sort of kick off introductions for the committee and, and we'll get a chance to hear about the three pillars that the campaign is going to be launching from, from our committee members in a few minutes. But first, let's get to know who's going to be launching this committee over the next three years. So, Tom, I'm going to throw it, throw it over to you. Well, <laughs> our fearless well, leader. Yeah, our fearless leader. So, anyway, um, I couldn't 
articulate any better um, the, the mission and goal of this initiative than Tony, Dan, and Eric just did. So I'm not even going to try. Um, but I will say I was very honored and privileged to be asked to chair this committee. Um, and I will uh, reiterate what Tony said. Uh, it's made up of some really remarkable, dedicated, and committed people. Um, so I'm very privileged to have a great team around me. So I really appreciate everyone's willingness to help out. And if I might take a chance to introduce the committee, if that's okay, Tony, um, I'd like to do that yep, uh, because I think you need all need to get to get to in, get to hear or get to know some of these folks, and you'll be hearing from some of them in more detail later. But our very effective and committed committee is made up of Dan Dillon, um, Connie Sims, Leslie Spoon, we heard, and. Um, Sheila Styron and uh, Terry uh, Suarez, um, and I we've we've met over the past couple months for a few meetings, and I said this from the get go uh, when we launched our first meeting. I walked away from that first meeting just blown away at what all of our community members bring to the table. The chemistry was remarkable. People have amazing ideas. Um, their enthusiasm, their energy, and their excitement to get this stuff done is like, it's, it's, it's just amazing. It's remarkable to me. And so, again, I'm very blessed to be able to, to help to lead our committee and get us through this initiative. Um, you've, you've touched on it's a three-year campaign and all the good things that we're going to be doing. And I don't want to steal anybody's thunder. So... I would just like to say to everyone listening, we thank you for your interest. We thank you for your support. And most of all, we thank you for your participation because we indeed want to get everybody up and get everybody moving. So with that, Tony, I'll turn it back to you, my friend. Tom, thank you so much. We were just adjusting the audio. We we're getting some comments that the audio was too quiet here. So hopefully we're a little bit louder now for everybody. So thank good. you so much, Tom. Sure. We... As Tom mentioned, you know, we have an outstanding group of people that I'm excited to be working with. Uh, let's start with the three pillars, and then we'll break it down by our members uh, who are really involved with all the pillars of this campaign. But it's going to give us a chance to kind of, you know, parse things out. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll kind of introduce people as we go through the circle on this uh, or the, the, the Hollywood squares, if you will, on the Zoom meeting <laughs> right now. So uh, we've got the campaign. It's public awareness. That's the first part of the campaign. The second part is advocacy. And the third part is partnerships. Uh, I'm going to go with, with public awareness because that's about being heard. And uh, I, I love hearing the cheers of one of our members. So we're going to start back in Florida where Dan's from, but two other Floridians that are helping to lead the public awareness campaign, Terry and Leslie. So let's start with Terry. Let's introduce yourself, Terry, just, just for a second. Uh, where, where do you live? Uh, why are you passionate about this campaign? Just maybe in like a couple of seconds, because I know we're all late on time. And then as well, uh, I'll just we'll get into the details of the public awareness later. But, you know, kind of what brought you to the campaign? Terry, how about you first? Well, Tony, um, it was an honor when you tapped me on the shoulder and knowing that I'm involved in the community. And this is my first convention and doing a health checkup. And just with my connections, you said, hey, would you like to be part of this campaign? And I'm like, yes. And I have the honor of living in Claremont, Florida, 
where we are the city of champions. And in my backyard is the National Training Center for the Olympics and the Special Olympics. So this is right up my alley. I love getting up and get moving. Um, you know, this is amazing. And we'll talk more later, but I yeah. love my co my co-chair for our committee. And that's Leslie. Hey, Leslie. Hey, Terry. How are you tonight? Hey, Leslie. Oh. Hi, Tony. Thank you for having me on this committee. This this committee is so near and dear to my heart. Um, I live in Orlando, Florida, and uh, I haven't met Terry yet, but we talk at almost every day now, which is awesome. I'm hoping to get to meet her soon. Um, the other thing why this is so near and dear to my heart is because I am a certified aerobic instructor and a certified personal trainer for over 25 years here in Orlando, Florida. So, And I do community calls with ACB every day. Um, at four o'clock or three thirty Eastern. So this is very near and dear to me. So I'm excited. Thank you for asking me to be on the co the committee. And working as, as well on another key pillar, advocacy. Next to me is Clark. Uh, Clark, how about you introduce the chair of the the advocacy committee for this? Because I know you've had a chance to work with her closely in other ways with advocacy. Uh, definitely, Tony. And thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Clark. And oh man, if if you're like me, I, I know our folks out there listening over ACB media or AC, ACB's social media channels and our folks on Clubhouse and in the community, you just get chills listening to ACB president Dan Spoon talk about why this campaign is so important. But one of the reasons this campaign is so important, it's, it's not going to replace, but it will accentuate and highlight the advocacy work of ACB and the person leading the advocacy subcommittee of this campaign is also the chair of our transportation committee at ACB, Sheila Styron. How are you this evening? Well, I am well, and um, I guess I'm really, really thrilled to be here because when I was a little girl, I was always left sitting on the bench, but I always wanted to do stuff. And fast forward to now, um, I, I cross-country ski, and I walk a lot, and I do yoga. And just in the past three months, I've run my first two four-mile running races. So um, this is something that you all may just know that I'm, I am extremely passionate about. So I'm so honored to have the opportunity, and I can't wait till later in the program when I can talk about the work that the Advocacy Committee is doing to get up and get moving. Fantastic. Thank you, Sheila. And, and working as well uh, in terms of, uh, I know with our partnerships, but we have Dan Dillon, who's the chair of our resource development committee, but I don't know if Dan was able to join. He was on for a while, but then we lost him. Dan, are you with us now? So folks, a lot of folks know Dan. He was one of the starters of the Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk, which is the annual ACB walk. That's actually uh, in memory of his wife, Brenda, who passed away several years ago. And Dan has just been a strong proponent for health and wellness. That's why he got the walk started, uh, himself a diabetic, um, but working as well closely on partnerships as well. Connie, out in South Dakota, Connie Sims, how are you doing tonight, Connie? I'm doing great, Tony. Thanks. Fabulous. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and sort of your passion for health and wellness as well. So I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and um, I have always loved fitness. I grew up loving to work out and um, exercise and growing up in a small town. Um, you always rode the bike, you know, walked everywhere. 
And being in a rural area, you still do a lot of walking and biking. You know, some people bike. Um, so that's, it's huge. Um, I am a retired medical massage practitioner. So healthcare has always been huge, um, close to my heart. So I do some of the holistic stuff, but I really look into the medical part. And um, I just think that fitness and health is so important. And diabetes runs in my family. So that's always been hard, close, um, heart issues running in my family. So I, I just always have loved health and fitness. Fabulous. Connie, thank you so much. And we're so excited to have you on the committee as well. Um, who else do we have? I think uh, Jennifer, are you on? Any other committee members? I think that's our full-fledged committee. I am on. How is everyone doing? Jennifer, Jennifer Flatt, our manager of communications, is also with us tonight. She's going to be helping out with the public awareness. So, Jennifer, thanks so much. You had a chance to work for uh, when you were in Canada for the Prime Minister in Health. So yes. we're excited that, that you're helping as well in the public awareness and the outreach we're doing. Um, I, I want to be able to get into some of our partner organizations now. And then we're going to fold for our partner organizations after we hear from some of them. And we're just going to take a breath for a while, take a little sip of water, need to stay hydrated. It's very hot in most parts of the country. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to play a couple of videos of our partners that have also committed to this campaign in a sense of their work already is really helping. And we want to be able to shine the light on those that are also out there helping for people who are blind and visually impaired become health and well all together. You know, the, the core of this campaign, as we've talked about, is about movement. It's not about becoming, uh, you know, uh, we're going to be cheering a lot about the Olympics during this convention because our big party will end at the end of it. But even just moving. And we had a chance and opportunity to meet with a fabulous professor of health and fitness and wellness at Georgia Southern University, Dr. Greg Groski. He's going to share with us a little bit of some of his passion. He's an Ironman himself, but the work he does in the research as to why this campaign is important. So we're going to ask Rick in our Boston office if you're able to push out the video. If not, I think Kelly can maybe get it going here in our Washington office. So we're going to push through that video of Dr. Greg, who, who had a chance to speak with the other day on why is this campaign important? Assistant professor of kinesiology at Georgia Southern University on the Armstrong campaign. Get up and get moving. Would I just, I just so, Tony, I just want to say I was so excited you called my name and I forgot to tell everybody what I bring to the table. So why we have this video opportunity of improvement, I am a critical care respiratory therapist and I'm still licensed. And when I lost my vision three years ago, well, I didn't lose my vision. I lost my sight. And I want everybody to take a deep breath and exhale. And I want you to put your hands on your chest and just feel the rhythm of the heart and just know the reason why ACB cares is that we need to keep that heart pumping. And the way we keep that heart pumping is by getting up and get moving, moving that circulation, moving that blood, taking deep breaths, and also looking at everything that's going on in our lifestyle. And we are super excited to work with this dynamic team to make this happen. And I hope that little friend that's in your body that never stops beating, that you don't have to worry about if it's working or not. It is always beating. And we need to take care of our friend, our best friend, our heart. So I hope that helps everybody. And are we ready for some videos? I think so, Terry. So let's stand by. Frick's going to push it out real quick. 
I'm turning to Kelly, who's our our, our <laughs> controller here, and don't see the video popping up. Nothing on webinar right now. Mm -hmm. Nope, and we, we can't share it from the computer. And we so. can't share from the computer right now. Okay, so if we can have screen share privileges on this computer here in uh, Alexandria, host, but I don't know how to give screen share privileges to the room. Oh, you're the host. You don't know yes. how to give. Okay. Um, all right. Stand by, everybody. We're going to get this video going in just a second. Is JoLynn Bailey mm -hmm. Page on our committee? I don't know. JoLynn Bailey Page her. is. I think JoLynn is is here in spirit. She's down the hall right now. Ah, uh, hey, definitely jo Oh, JoLynn is there. Oh. All right, JoLynn, go ahead and introduce yourself. We're going to get this video queued up real quick. Hi. Um. Great. No, I've been I've been following in the background here. I'm JoLynn, and I am ACB's grant writer, and I also am the coordinator for the audio description project. But Health and wellness is near and dear to my heart. And um, just trying to, after coming out of COVID, especially ramp up efforts to continue walking, running, doing anything we can, I can, to get back into good shape. But um, in addition to that, making sure I start taking advantage more and more of opportunities out in our national parks and sites. So stay tuned this week for several um, informational opportunities on our National Park Service, uh, ways to get up, get moving. There is a wonderful audio description panel Wednesday night talking about the parks and the unit description progress project, sorry, in Hawaii. But um, remember, get up, get moving, and take a walk in the park, even if it's just 10 minutes every day in your local park. And take that water with you. Absolutely. And not just for yourself, but your guide dogs, too. Oh, absolutely. I think JoLynn deserves a woo-woo as well. And I would just I would, I would take a note from Terry and say, um, personal point of privilege here is that I was recently elected president of ACB Diabetics in Action on Wednesday. I should have mentioned this before in my introduction, but I see some tremendous synergies between what we're doing on that special interest affiliate side of the house and what we're doing with this get up and get moving campaign. So um, really excited about that. And uh, of course, as a type one diabetic, I'm very interested in fully accessible, durable medical equipment. So it's going to be one of our advocacy right. legislative priorities for awesome. sure. So well, thanks, Tom. I think we got the video. I heard a little video playback there. So <laughs> all right. Right, let's all sit back, grab our popcorn and hear from Dr. Greg. Hopefully it's low fat, light, no butter popcorn, everybody. That's right. That's right. With a little dash of avocado oil. Mm -hmm. I like that idea. Yeah. You should try it. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, Tony, you mentioned standby. Do you know how much just standing is so important to improve circulation, not only for your blood, but your lymphatic system? Mm -hmm. And so when someone says standby, you should stand. And just get blood flowing in all directions and go ahead and take a big stretch. Let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff we're going to do, the public awareness, because this is a good caveat, Leslie, so you can unmute. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the events yeah. we're going to do in one particular event where you'll get a chance to stretch with Leslie Spoon. Yes. Yeah, so thanks, Tony. Yeah, on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I am doing a yoga class. It's very easy. Uh, you can either in the chair, you can be stretching a lot. We know we're having substantial reductions in exercise capacity. 
well. which would be good. Uh, that's usually where I'm at in the morning when I listen to Tony and Debbie on the Connection Show. Um, and yeah, so 4 p.m. Wednesday, I'm doing yoga, and it's not on ACB Media. Um, it, so, you know, get the Zoom link and please come to the class. It's going to be very easy. Lots of stretching, lots of poses, easy poses that you can take and just do at your home. Leslie, this is Clark. So last year, you helped me with a session the Saturday kicking off our convention on accessible exercise and fitness, talking about how important inclusive language and uh, verbal descriptions are to fitness classes. But since then, you have been very active in the ACB community. Yes, it has been an active year for me. (laughs) I am so excited because I was telling Terry today, um, I'm up to five classes. So Monday through Friday, um, two yogas, two resistance classes, which is with balls and resistance bands. Our soup cans, our peanut butter jars. Uh, one of my client ladies had a peanut bar jar, peanut butter in her hands last week, and she was telling us about. It, and then we all got hungry, so you know that was pretty funny. But yeah, um, and then I do a happy hour cardio on Friday, so it, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's 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 so exciting, and it's you know Monday and Wednesdays at four p.m. and when Tuesday and Thursday and Fridays at three thirty p.m. But I was telling Terry Clark today um, when we were chatting earlier, I, and I was on the treadmill, she was on her bike. And I said, hey, you know, this has been so exciting for me because my clients here in Orlando have gotten a little bit older and they're, they're in the pool now. So I don't really personal train them much anymore. I do in the pool. But my clients in the ACB community has given me back something it's given me a chance to train them and use my traits and just really, you know, brush up on my skills and teach them what I know. So it's really been a win-win for both sides, you know, and it excites me and just really my passion, you know. Excellent. Leslie, thank you so much. Yeah. And and one of the things that's exciting for the public awareness part of this campaign, we're going to be holding events out around the country. Our first event will be October 15th in New York City. But that's the same weekend. It's on White Cane Day, but that's the same weekend that we're having our state convention in Buffalo. And Leslie, you're going to be up there in Buffalo, I believe. There's going to be some programming that will be coming out that you're going to be working on. But we're excited that you're going to be people that are going to be up in Buffalo are going to have a chance to meet you one on one. And it's not going to be virtual anymore. It's going to be in real life, which is fantastic. I know. Isn't that going to be exciting? It is. We're going to do a circuit class at the New York convention in Buffalo. So, cause we're going to be inside cause you know, I'm a Floridian and it's going to be probably cold. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> probably still be snowing. So. so I hope everybody signs up, um, you know, keep in mind, you know, keep your eye out on for the New York convention uh, blurb. And uh, I believe there'll be something on that to sign up and come to the class, come to circuit. And then we're going to have something as well in Washington, D.C. during our leadership conference tied to the campaign. And then later we'll be on the West Coast later that spring. So we're excited for the public awareness. It's about getting out there and educating people, talking about stuff. The advocacy, Sheila and Clark, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the key things that advocacy is going to be focusing on. Um, I'm really happy to. Um, Yeah. It's uh, we've had a couple of meetings so far and kind of an interesting way that um, our chairperson, Tom, has set things up that I think is working really well. We have 
committee meetings, subcommittee meetings for our different pillars, but everyone from the committee, anybody from the committee who wants to participate when they can. So we've got a lot of good blood and energy throwing, you know, flowing through these meetings. And I'm really pleased to be able to help lead this effort. Um, like I said, I feel like I've come a long way from sitting on that, that bench. And um, as we mentioned a little bit, ACB has done a lot of really great advocacy in the past. We mentioned the situation with Peloton bikes and the, the, um, ex- the flat screen um, bike that is actually accessible. It talks, you can take classes online and people can chart all of their own workout statistics, which is just really great, but we've got so much more to do. Um, We do have in ACB a very, very comprehensive three-pronged plan for dealing with accessible, durable medical equipment. But um, I think that this campaign will give us the opportunity to really bring it all home, to to get around all those bases and finally make some of the corporations and entities we need to get on our side, sit up and take note and listen. And then I'd like to mention the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, which in 2020 was introduced by Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois. And, you know, we didn't quite make it to the finish line with that last year, but ACB cares about that so much. And it's such an important piece of the advocacy pillar of the current campaign that um, it was actually one of our um, advocacy imperatives or one of our legislative imperatives in the winter. And um, I think it goes beyond that. I I have a feeling that we're going to get another opportunity to work on this. So I want everyone to uh, stay tuned, uh, cross your fingers. And speaking of fingers, um, we... The helping hands, the healthiness. Yeah, one one of our meetings, we talked about the fact that, you know, as advocacy, we're sort of a really big helping hand to this process. And so we have come up with five initiatives and I want you to help me go through them. I want you to indulge me. It might be a little silly. I want everyone to hold up your thumb. It's the thumb drive and it, it, it points toward accessible transportation. We can't do any of these things, get our health care, get our exercise, take care of any of our, we need transportation. We need to get to the gym. We need to get to doctor's offices, whether you live in a rural or an urban environment. We need more sidewalks. We really need access to transportation. Let's add our pointer finger because it's going to point the way toward accessible exercise equipment. We've mentioned the Peloton a couple times, but look at all that equipment that's out there with flat screens. We can't turn it on. We can't speed it up. We can't slow it down. We can't climb the hill unless we, uh, you know, Uh, get someone to label it for us. And we need this stuff in the gym. We need it in our homes. We need it in hospitals, rehab centers, hotels. We need, you know, wow. We need exercise partners. We need running partners. We need 
captains, you know, people, uh, tandem bike captains, you know, I can't ride that tandem bike by myself. And then if we add our next finger, the tallest, longest finger, this is a very long reach, but we really need accessible medical care. We need medical facilities to be accessible. We need our medications to be accessible. We need to be able to read those labels. We need to be able to keep track of our, of our medications. We can't be mixing them up. We need um, accessible communications. All those forms we have to fill out before doctor's appointments, while we're there, when we're done, when we're getting into the hospital, we really need. And then not to forget those electronic portals. We need to work on accessibility for those. So often now they want you to check in electronically before you go to the doctor. Then let's add our fourth finger, our fourth initiative on the on the advocacy subcommittee. So let's put a ring around that fourth accessible finger, that fourth finger because it's really important because that is the need for accessible nutrition nutrition information. We can't, how can we engage with healthier eating if we can't access all the nutrition facts on the labels, if we can't add up everything we've eaten during the day very easily and all those apps, you know, well, you know, some people say you might as well go ahead and eat a hamburger because we don't know what we're eating. We can't do it. So we need to, to make that better because you've all heard this before and it's really true. We are what we eat. And then last but not least, but not littlest, the little pinky. And that is our little symbol for and our reminder that we need accessible, durable medical equipment. I mentioned that earlier. ACB has been working on it. But now is our chance to really go to these companies and say, look, we have this campaign. This is so important how many people do you know who are blind because of diabetes? And this is a really serious issue. And when we can crack this nut, we will be more in the pink. So I just want to reiterate that sitting is better than standing if you can do that. Walking is better than standing still. And it doesn't take a lot to make a huge dent in, in your health and in improving it and going the right direction. So I want you to all join me in one final um, thing with our hand. Hold it up. Let's give a big five to everybody out there and to each other. And let's all get up and get moving. I love it, Sheila. That is fantastic. All right. I love that. Um, and thank you so much. Uh, in terms of the partnerships, uh, you know, a, a lot of us all collectively are working to reach out to the organizations that we engage with through the American Council of the Blind. And those partnerships are going to have folks like Vanda, who we're going to hear from, I think, shortly. Uh, I think we got a video up and running. Is that right, Kelly? Uh, not up and running, but just if we're ready to go. Is it, is it ready to go? So. All right. Well, we're going to hear, uh, you know, about a little bit about what Sheila talked about uh, in terms of you know, how little can go a long way, right? And what incremental steps we need to take and how much of a dramatic impact that can make on our life. So we're going to hand it over to Rick up in Boston, who's going to see if we can play this video now from Dr. Grosky at the Georgia Southern University. Kinesiology at Georgia Southern University on the Armstrong campus in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. 
I am also the director of the Exercise Physiology Laboratory. And so in my position, I teach classes related to exercise, human movement, and wellness, and then conduct research. Uh, particularly, my research interest is a bit broad, but it really does focus on the impact of physical activity, exercise, and nutritional interventions on really the promotion of human health and helping individuals live not only longer, but hopefully healthier lives. Um, I did my doctoral training at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, where I studied uh, aging skeletal muscle and looking at what happens to skeletal muscle as we get older. And really, we kind of focused on two different um, paradigms there. We looked at uh, athletes, so elite athletes, people who were setting world records, and then older adults. And we thought we basically asked the question, how can we take what we learned in these elite athletes and apply it to make these older adults live healthier, longer lives and keep them, keep them moving? Um, then I did a postdoc up in, in Tufts in Boston where I studied the impact of actually the gut microbiome, which is the bacteria, archaea, viruses, and eukaryotic microbes residing in our gastrointestinal tract on basically these age-related changes in skeletal muscle. So that's a bit about my academic background. Um, I live here in Savannah with uh, my wife, Brianna, and our, uh, our lovely daughter, Grace, who's two years old. The pandemic was hard on so many of us for such a variety of reasons, uh, loss of job, difficulties with childcare, uh, increased stress, you know, not being able to go to the doctor's office and people for people who are blind or visually impaired, obviously, uh, these troubles are just that much more amplified, particularly those who um, would, would need to go to the gym. And I was actually just reading a paper last week that talked about what are some of the greatest predictors of reductions in physical activity and exercise over the past year, year and a half, owing to the pandemic. And one of the number one predictors there was people who relied on going to a gym or, or exercising in a gym type setting. And obviously, people who are blind and, or visually impaired and may need assistance or may need to go to the gym, that's obviously going to be a huge problem for them. And so, so many of us, our physical activity patterns have been reduced. And I think, you know, one of the things I like to tell my students and I talk about, there's, there's a paper published in, uh, in 2002 by Jonathan Myers and a group from Stanford. And the conclusion of the paper is, is quite simple, but I think it really is impactful and it shows the importance of physical activity and exercise. And that's that in this paper, they looked at uh, all the established risk factors for, for cardiovascular disease. So high blood pressure and high cholesterol and, and high blood glucose and all of the things we know that are bad that increase our risk for cardiovascular disease. And they showed that exercise capacity, which is driven by physical activity, was a more powerful predictor of mortality than any of these other established cardiovascular disease risk factors. And so if we're being sedentary, we know we're having substantial reductions in exercise capacity. Well, now that the pandemic is, uh, at least its impact is, is alleviated and, and many of us are able to get out and, and, and be physically active again, it's time to start doing that. And I think one of the things that, tends to scare people and particularly those who have been sedentary for a longer period of time and have, have gotten in a habit of, of not being physically active is, well, what do my exercise habits need to look like 
to promote health. And, and, you know, we see commercials and the Olympics are going on right now and the tour de France. And it's like, well, I'm not going to be in the Olympics or I'm not going to be in the tour de France, or maybe you don't even want to go to a gym. And, And the truth is, if we're just looking at promoting human health, that's all totally fine because actually one of the greatest benefits from physical activity comes from those individuals who are being completely sedentary to just doing something. In fact, in this paper that I was uh, referring to earlier, they took a a large uh, group of, of, of individuals, a large collection of subjects, and they, and they basically broke them up into five different quintiles of exercise capacity. And then they looked at, they followed them for a period of time and looked at their, their risk of death. And they saw that compared to the subjects who were the most fit, these are the really high achievers, exercising a lot, really high subjects. Those who were the least fit had somewhere between a four to four and a half increased risk, relative risk of death. So that's a lot. But what they saw is that the subjects who were the least fit, if they went from being doing absolutely no physical activity, just to doing some, just getting up and and walking around. And you don't necessarily need to even be getting the 10 to 12,000 steps a day, but just get some physical activity. Things like parking further from the entrance to the grocery store or, uh, you know, taking the stairs rather than an elevator. We're talking about the, the smallest lifestyle changes actually provided the greatest reduction in, in relative risk of death. So it went from four to four and a half fold to maybe only two to two and a half fold in the, in the cohort that was still not very fit, but they were not totally sedentary. And so I think that really talks about the powerful impact of exercise, even in very, very small doses. And kind of to that point, when we're doing exercise, it doesn't necessarily need to be in these large hour long chunks. We can do this exercise and in, in two, four, five, 10 minute increments throughout the day. If we don't want to necessarily go for a walk for 30 minutes, we've been sedentary for a long time or ride a bike for 30 minutes. It's just as good to maybe before each meal, we ride the bike for 10 minutes. That's going to provide really the same or comparable health benefits to exercising 30 minutes. So, so I really think that we need to, and then we as, as health practitioners need to need to get this message out because People, we, we need to make sure we're not scared of being physically active. We need to promote physical activity in a way that people feel safe and, 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 and it's not an intimidating thing to do. And so I think that, that exercise is so important and that from going from doing nothing just to doing something, making the smallest change is where the biggest benefit is going is to be seen is one of the power, most powerful messages about being physically active that we can possibly deliver. Much up in Boston for being able to get that video finally out there. Fantastic words from Dr. Greg. Uh, you know, I, I can't say enough. A little bit can go a long way. And I, I myself, with my COVID-19 pounds I've gained over the past year, if about that, maybe a little bit more, uh, have just been started walking and the little things we can do. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot. And my committee, we're going to come back in just a couple minutes uh, with another video, Rick. If you can get the, um, uh, the Vanda one queued up. Uh, part of healthiness as well is a health, a well of mind. It's one thing to move. It's another thing to have the will to want to move. And, you know, one of our partners, Vanda, has been really excellent at pushing the non-24 issue, which is a commonality amongst a lot of people who are, who are totally blind. And it's something that really resonates through our community in the work they've been doing with non-24. Um, there's a video from Vanda we want to share because they're one of our corporate partners, our first health hero that we're having. 
but they have an important message that, that I think is worth everybody hearing. Because if you're not sleeping well, you're just one going to sit around on the couch all day and be, you know, and be a sloth and not want to get up and get moving. The mental health side of this is one of the huge things that impacts our blindness community. So, Kelly, when you see that video pop up and get ready to go, let me know with Rick. Um, Rick, thank you so much. If you can pop in that video, it's the next one in the feed there. And we'll be working towards getting a chance to hear from our folks at Vanda, our nurse practitioners. They're available at the ACB exhibit hall. If you check out our exhibit tab at acbconvention.org, you can find out what office hours they have. Also, if you listen to the exhibit channel on ACB Media, and all this information is available at acbmedia.org, you can find out the calendar that shows all the invites, as well as find out what channels we're bearing, airing our exhibitors on, and they have their exhibit feed as well. So, Hello and welcome, ACB members. Vanda has greatly appreciated the partnership with ACB over the years, and it's a privilege to participate again this year. This opportunity is valuable to provide awareness of a very rare condition called non-24 that affects mainly individuals who are totally blind or visually impaired. I would like to mention congratulations to ACB for celebrating your 60th anniversary. What an accomplishment to know how much of an impact this organization has made over the years to you as members. I would like to introduce our nurse educator team, myself, Shawna Jasso, nurse educator, Green Southwest. Northwest and West States. We have Jennifer, nurse educator, covering Midwest states, Vicki, nurse educator, covering Southeast and Northeast states, and Maggie, nurse educator, covering Mid-Atlantic states. We welcome each of you to visit our virtual exhibit booth to speak to us in learning more about non-24 and or hosting a non-24 presentation with your chapter. We also have our contact information listed on our sponsor page. And now we'll hear from Jennifer. Hi, I'm Jennifer, and as Shauna mentioned, I cover the Midwest. We're delighted to be here. As a nurse educator, we offer presentations on non-24, both virtually via conference calls or Zoom, as well as meeting in person. We educate the visually impaired and the organizations that support them, such as the ACB. Some of the other groups we present to include independent support groups, rehab and training centers for the blind, manufacturers, rail clubs, centers for independent living, and other social services organizations. Our goal is to raise awareness of this rare disorder. Those who attend a presentation will learn from a nurse educator about the biology and symptoms of non-24 and how it can impact a person's life. Learn who is most at risk for developing this disorder and why. Vanda's non-24 nurse educators offer attendees free education sessions, educational materials, and the opportunity to opt into speaking with a health educator one-on-one -on -one if desired for personalized information and resources. It's a well-known fact that sleep is imperative to good overall health, so it's tough to get up and get moving if you're not feeling rested. If you suffer from poor sleep or sleep schedules that are different from most people you know, we have information that may help you or a loved one. I'm going to pass this over to Vicki now. Thanks, Jennifer. Hello, everyone. I'm Vicki, the nurse educator from the Southeast and the New England states. I'm happy to be here. Just like eating healthy and exercising, 
As Jennifer mentioned, a good night's sleep is important for your health. Since non-24 is a sleep-wake disorder that causes disruptions when people sleep and when they're awake, I would like to share a few important pieces of information about it. Non-24 is the word non, N-O-N, and the number 24. It's a short name for non-24 hour sleep-wake disorder. Did you know that non-24 is a circadian rhythm disorder and not a sleep disorder? Circadian rhythms are internal rhythms that control various activities in our body, including our sleep-wake cycle. And our sleep-wake cycle relies on a light signal from the environment to keep our sleep patterns synchronized with a regular 24-hour day. Without a light signal, our sleep-wake cycle can fall out of sync or out of alignment with a regular 24-hour schedule and result in one or more of the three main symptoms of non-24. Problems falling asleep at night, problems staying asleep at night, and lots of daytime sleepiness. Raising awareness and having knowledge of non-24 may help you or someone else. So keep in mind as your affiliates grow and the sleep patterns of your current members change, a non-24 nurse educator can help you continue your advocacy for healthy sleep with a non-24 education program. Thanks, everyone. And back to you, Shauna. Thank you, Vicki. So if you or someone you know is struggling with any of these three main symptoms of non-24, we encourage you to get up and get moving and visit us at our virtual exhibit booth, where you can learn about ways to get your sleep back. We welcome you to click on the exhibitor link to join our booth and speak to us personally to learn about non-24 and or to host a non-24 educational presentation with your chapter. We'll be available from Friday, July 16th to Friday, July 23rd from noon until 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're unable to join us at that time, please visit our sponsor link for our contact information under non-24. We look forward to connecting with each of you soon. Thank you. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much to Vanda for being our first health hero for the campaign. And, you know, if you get a chance to check them out, I, so I have a, a fuzzy side in one eye now, but I was total for eight years and it was during teenage years. And I don't know if others on this call, if you all have ever experienced it, but it is, it is a bear trying to get your body synced up with what life is like, uh, with, the, with the rhythm and the clock. And just the, the momentum, the lack of energy, uh, that's not going to get anybody up and moving. So thank you for the hard work Band is doing to really help promote health and wellness and healthy living through their through their science and medical research and the work that they do to try to help in non-24. Uh, and you can check them out on our exhibit page. Um, you know, we have two other partners that we've been talking to in terms of the campaign. They're already out there promoting getting up and getting moving. They've been doing fantastic work. We're going to be hearing from one of those people right now named Francesco. So, Rick, the next one in queue, I believe, is Francesco with uh, Achilles. And so we're going to hear from our folks with Achilles. Clark, just a couple of words real quick on Achilles. Uh, you helped really foster this relationship with ACB. And, you know, just a, a sentence or so, what would you say Achilles is really bringing to the health conversation? You know, Tony, Achilles brings opportunity. They Achilles is as old as I am. They were founded in 1983, as Francesco will share. They have chapters around the country, and they, they really facilitate opportunities for folks to get up and get moving in endurance 
athletics, whether that's running, biking, triathlon, they're there as a friend. They're there to help. They're there to share your lowest lows and your highest highs as we all get up and get moving. Fantastic. Well, let's hear from a personal story uh, from Francesco. Magisano, and on behalf of Achilles International, I'd like to thank the American Council of the Blind for hosting this event and inviting me here today to tell you all a little bit about my story, as well as the mission of Achilles International. This campaign resonates with me because it is so important for us all, especially after this past year's isolation, to try to stay active and healthy even when it's not always easy to do so. Within Achilles, I lead a lot of the operations within the New York City area, as well as our Tri Achilles program, which is our multi-sport program. That involves a lot of swimming, biking, and running workouts for all of our members. And our members are made up of people with all different types of disabilities, including people who are blind and low vision, like I am. We are a global organization with a presence in over 25 countries. And since our founding in 1983, we have empowered more than 150,000 athletes to participate in some sort of endurance event. Every step matters, whether you're a professional athlete or taking your first step and never having run before in your life. Before I joined Achilles, the furthest I had run was maybe 50 feet down the block chasing the ice cream track when I was a kid. When I joined Achilles, my first run was with a very, very, very good friend of mine now, Kevin, and we did a four-mile loop, and ever since then, I've been hooked, and I've done multiple marathons and multiple triathlons, never having done any of that growing up as a kid. If you're interested in finding out more about Achilles or finding a local chapter near you, since we have so many chapters around the U.S. and around the world, please visit AchillesInternational.org and just search through our chapters. I hope you all have a happy, healthy, and active day I've been Francesco with Achilles. Rock on. When they make and, you know, we're... All right. So we are back now. Uh, thank you so much to Achilles and to Francesco for sharing that, that incredible you know, story, um, his personal experience with Achilles. So we're excited to be, uh, you know, as we hold these events, uh, we're excited to be working with Achilles and hopefully folks can meet them personally as we're holding our in-person events. We're going to talk about one of those uh, later on, it's going to take place again in October, where we can get a chance to meet folks firsthand and actually be in the place where Achilles is headquartered. But before we do that, we want to hear from one more of our folks that we've been engaging with this campaign. And we're going to be hearing a little bit more about them later in the week. Uh, again, Clark, I'm going to turn to you because this is a group that you are very closely personally tied to. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm excited that thanks to Clark, uh, you yourself, do you want to share a little bit about your own experience with this organization? Absolutely, Tony. So it was USABA that got me started in tandem cycling in 2006. At that time, I had no idea that that would lead to the London 2012 Paralympic Games. Um, So I I have a very uh, warm spot in my heart for the work that the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes do, not only for tandem cycling, but for goalball, for blind soccer, and any number of sports. And they have a long history of involvement with ACB, uh, dating back all the way to Oral Miller being the, you know, their board chair, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So they're a great friend of ACB and certainly near and dear to my heart. And, And it's wonderful we get a chance to hear from Kevin with USABA. 
Uh, and we're going to get a chance to hear from more of USABA later in the week with the convention, I think. If uh, maybe if I, uh, you know, if, if somebody here, maybe, you know, someone in the know, maybe, but we'll see. We're excited for the <laughs> Olympic ceremony on the, on the 23rd uh, with the opening session. It's all who you know in this business, folks. Uh, but let's hear from Kevin now with uh, USABA. Hi, everybody. This is Kevin Broussard, Programs and Finance Director at the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, otherwise known as USABA. So excited today to be on with you for this incredible event and to tell you a little bit about our organization, a little bit about my own uh, personal story as well, and glad to offer you some, uh, some resources to help you along your physical fitness and health path. I was born blind. I have a very rare retinal disorder, uh, somewhat similar to Stargardt's. I actually had some genetic testing done recently, and I have a, a mutation of a few different diseases. But whatever you want to call it, I've been blind since birth. And at a very young age, I was the, the target of ridicule at school. I was bullied constantly. Uh, the kids at school referred to me always as the blind kid. That's what I was known for. And I was going down a really dark road. I was very, um, had some mental health issues when I was a child. And again, just the bullying really piled on. And there's this constant focus on my disability and what I could not do. And as I grew older, I realized I needed a positive outlet to help me focus on my positive attributes. And I was able to find that through sports. When I was a, a freshman in high school, I wanted to join a track and field team. And I, I went to my coach and I said, hey, I want to join the team. And he told me something that a lot of blind people have heard in their lives. He said, Kevin, you cannot do this because you're blind. He was afraid I was going to get hit in the head by a discus or a shot put. And he didn't want to deal with that issue. And at that point, I, I had a really um, flight or fi fight moment in my life where I had to decide to advocate for myself, and I'm glad I did. I, I went back for two weeks until he finally said, all right, Kevin, we'll let you on the team even though you're blind. And I'm, I'm glad I did because looking forward, I've gone on to win three world titles in track and field, have the American record in the discus, and uh, after that, I spent a few years competing internationally in the sport of judo, where I was a national champion and a three-year three member of the national team for USA Judo as a heavyweight. And all these incredible experiences I've had in track and field and judo and sports, traveling the world, getting to meet people, and I mean, those are all well and good, but the things that I've really taken away from sports is the confidence I've grown Again, focusing on what I can do and my positive attributes and accentuating that. Staying physically fit and active and feeling healthy and goal setting as well. Developing a work ethic. There's so many attributes that sports and recreation can give people beyond just staying healthy. And I'm really um, a living proof of that to show the impact. And so working at the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, obviously, I have a, a very close personal connection to this organization. And it's, it's an organization that really can help any American who is blind or visually impaired, who's trying to get fit, who's trying to get active. And if they want to compete at a high level, we can help those people do that as well. 
Whatever your goal is, USABA is here to help you with resources, guidance, and, and contacts to make sure your goals are achieved. And we do that in a few different ways. We run sport programming in 10 different sports, uh, winter, outdoor, outdoor sports, endurance sports, you name it. We probably have some programming in it. And we've been doing this since 1976. That's when the organization was established. And over that time, we've really become the leading resource and expert for uh, sports and physical activity for Americans who are blind and visually impaired. And again, we, we have programs with people that are as young as three years old all the way up to early 80s and everything in between. People that are simply trying to get off the couch, trying to get more active all the way up to individuals who are trying to compete at the highest level of the Paralympic Games on the international circuit. In fact, this summer, our men's and women's goalball teams will be competing at the Tokyo Paralympics starting August 25th. For those of you who are not familiar with the sport of goalball is, it's a team sport for blind and visually impaired athletes. It's played in over 100 countries. The sport is played on a volleyball-sized court. And you have three versus three. The bell, uh, the ball itself uh, is about the size of a basketball, weighs roughly three pounds, and has bells inside of it. So that way athletes who are blind and visually impaired are able to locate the, the ball by hearing the bells itself. Also on the court is wire, tactile wire, so athletes can get orientation to where they are on the court. It's a really incredible sport. If you've never had a chance to take it in, I recommend you, you check it out and definitely cheer on Team USA on their road to Tokyo. August 25th is when they're starting off. Uh, our men's team won a silver medal at the last Paralympic Games in 2016, and our women won a bronze medal in 2016. So some really great performances and athletes we have representing Team USA goalball here in Tokyo uh, next month. So make sure you check that out. And then on uh, our grant programming side and the other things that we're doing to help um, blind Americans get more fit and active, we have a program called the National Fitness Challenge. And the National Fitness Challenge is a program where we provide Fitbit wearables to usually four to 500 Americans per year. So they have the tool to track their activity levels and see where they're at, see where they're progressing, um, there's a, a big component of staying active, which is called social fitness. That's where you're connecting with people through the Fitbit app, through social media, to encourage each other to stay active. And on Fitbit, we the, they say you should strive for 10,000 steps a day, uh, but everyone's a little different. You might get a Fitbit on and realize that your average steps per day are 5,000. So uh, these programs really help you learn how to increase those steps and enjoy the fitness and health components um, that tools like the Fitbit can bring you. And then we also provide individuals with local programming where we introduce them to sports like goalball or blind soccer, tandem cycling, triathlon, swimming, running as well. So all these programs that we run events in, uh, we introduce them because a lot of times um, individuals, especially when they're younger, if they're blind, they may never have been exposed to a particular sport or understand the adaptations it takes to still stay active. And so really with those programs, we're able to help the any American who wants to be active, whether they're um, just kind of a 
uh, an average Joe and they want to they want to lose a few pounds or they want to stay active so they build a, a lifelong sustainable healthy lifestyle and, and everything in between so that's where US Association of Blind Athletes really comes in is to help people achieve their goals and to help improve their lives through sports and physical activity so really encourage you to check out our website usaba.org is a great place to start for resources contact and information on any particular sport you are interested in uh, or you can follow us on social media as well our facebook is united states association of blind athletes so thank you again for having us as part of this incredible event go to usaba.org for more information and make sure you cheer on our goalball teams and other blind athletes here at the tokyo paralympics starting august 25th thanks everyone Awesome. And thank you so much, Kevin, and everybody at USABA. Clark, thank you as well for helping to really foster that relationship. You know, such an outstanding group. So, yeah. USA, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Go help. So, uh, you know, we've had a chance to hear from some amazing people tonight. Uh, Committee, uh, we're we're so excited with what's on the horizon for us. Uh, Let's talk real quick, just immediately. Uh, well, one thing, well, we were talking behind the scenes, Sheila, you, you actually uh, have been in, engaged with Achilles. Is that right? That's right. Uh, Achilles yeah. just in the past year started a chapter here and I've been begging people to run with me forever, trying to keep myself together in case I got a partner. And finally, Achilles is doing it. I've been in two four mile races in the past three months and ah. I, I like walk a half a mile and take an hour bus ride to get to where we practice. That's how devoted I am to it. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. That's Achilles. Exciting. And, and thank you, Achilles. Thank you, USABA. Thank you, Vanda. Uh, we got a lot. Thanks to their support. Thanks to Vanda's corporate support. Uh, you know, we've got a lot in store for us at the convention around the health and wellness track. You can check that health track out at acbmedia.org for all the times. What's a real quick preview? I know we got a lot of stuff around diabetes, Tom, which is personal for you. Uh, and and so uh, talk a little bit about just real quick on what we got on the agenda for diabetes awareness and nutrition and things like that. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Tony. Uh, We have a very robust convention program for ACB Diabetics in Action. Uh, It starts on Monday the 19th at 2.30. Our first track is on Diabetes 101, uh, which will go to 345. Uh, That's Thriving Well with Diabetes. Uh, The second track, also on Diabetes 101, is more around self-management with diabetes, especially when you're living with diabetes and vision impairment. So that's Monday. Uh, Tuesday, we've got uh, 2.30. Our first track is on nutrition. Um, we'll have a, all these are all these folks are professionals uh, certified out the, <laughs> as you can imagine, they're all very professional. Um, and our new second vice president, Jeff Bishop, will be Bishop will be part of that track. And then in the afternoon, we have a fitness track, uh, which will be uh, with a gal named Karen oh. Chemist. <laughs> yeah, Karen Chemis and uh, I couldn't resist Tom. <laughs> and, 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 and Steve Bauer from California Council of the Blind will be there. And then on Wednesday, we round out our amazing program um, with uh, the uh, 2000, 2000, the 2.30 uh, track will be uh, none other than Clark Rockfall, our Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, along with uh, our current president, Chris Gray, uh, who's the outgoing president, and uh, they will talk about all things advocacy, of which Sheila just gave you an amazing repertoire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close out uh, the ACB Diabetics track on Wednesday afternoon with what I think is one of the greatest parts of ACB Diabetics in action, 
And it will be a panel discussion with people who are living with all different types of diabetes, type one, type two, people that are using different technologies like continuous glucose monitors and all these different things. But our, our attendees will get to hear right from the, the people who deal with vision impairment and diabetes on a daily basis. And um, my personal view is that uh, the peer-to-peer -peer sharing in ACB DevX in action is one of our most effective uh, ways we can help each other. So come join us. It's going to be a robust program, and we'd love to have you. And then you can send them my way, Tom, at four. Yeah, close it out with some some slowdown and yoga yeah. and everything. There you go. Fantastic. And we got the stuff on Friday. Yeah. All right. Now, folks that know me know I, I, I moved down to Washington, D.C. 11 years ago from New York City, which I left my heart, as they always say, uh, in New York City. That's it's San, San Francisco. Louis. San Francisco. <laughs> I left my heart in San Francisco. I left Remember, my stomach in New York. My shoes are still at a bus station in Chicago. Um, so we we are excited on October 15th. We're going to be in New York City. Terry, you've been really helping take the lead on that. Um, you know, we've been talking with the American Red Cross about maybe finding a service event that's attached to it. And uh, Terry, I, I love your enthusiasm. Uh, share with us, uh, you know, the, the greatness that can come as we witness uh, being healthy. Well, first of all, you know, it's New York City. So if we can do it anywhere, we can do it. And if we can do it in New York, we can do it anywhere. So what a better way to get us up and moving, but doing something live from New York City. So I'm super excited that um, ACB Media Network is going to have Darrow Lukes from The DJ. Uh, he has a show on Fridays on Cafe, or I'm sorry, number four, uh, Media 4, and it's called Forever Young. And that's what Get Up and Moving is about the mental, the physical, and keeping us young forever. And he's going to be live from New York City broadcasting the show. So those of you that, that don't have the opportunity to be live, um, you'll be able to experience. We're going to have fantastic music. Um, Daryl Lukes, and I believe his counterpart's going to be um, a little bit of help with picking is uh, Lucy Edmonds. I think some of you guys may know her as well as a community voice. So super excited that we're going to have that musical aspect because for me, I love Leslie and she loves to be walking and running and all that <laughs> stuff. I'm the dancer. Um, yeah. And I love to turn on the music and no matter what mood you're in, you just start tapping your toes. You just start moving those hips. You just start, and that's how we're going to get this together. And I'm Wonderful. super excited because um, the interp the Intrepid today that was on audio description, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is going to be hopefully part of our walk destination. So I'm already planning to stay a day over, and that was a beautiful audio description. And then we're also going to do the event and have the Freedom Tower because what a better way to show getting freedom from the pandemic and freedom to show the world that just because you may have less sight or no sight, that's not going to stop us from getting the freedom we deserve to get up and get moving and be healthy. To move so, through society like everybody else. So fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. And super well, excited. And I, and I love the enthusiasm, Terry. Thank you. 
And, and so we are we are on that going to leave it to hopefully the next time you hear a lot of these voices together is going to be in person live. And so, again, thanks so much to the committee. Thanks to Rick up in Boston, Kelly here in our D.C. office and Joe Lynn in our office as well and all of our staff, especially all of our committee and our partners. Um, everybody, during convention, we're going to be sitting around listening to a lot of stuff. But make sure you get up and get moving during those breaks. Try to stay healthy and join us as we enter into this campaign for the next three years. We'll be dealing with it in, in uh, Omaha uh, as well next year. Uh, we got our virtual walk tomorrow at six o'clock. I think the last thing maybe we can go out with on is a message, a little commercial, if you will, from Donna Brown, who's going to share with us a little bit about the walk. Tomorrow is our walk at six o'clock. It's the way we're going to kick off the event for the convention. Um, but let's just close with Donna. If we've got that queued up, uh, it's just audio. Um, if not, I will make the plug for Donna. <laughs> we'll give 10 seconds and see if Donna's queued up. And if not, then we'll do the plug. On okay, Donna's everybody, behalf. let's tap. I am for an avid exerciser and chair of the ACB walk. To coincide with ACB's Get Up and Get Moving campaign, the theme for the 2021 ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk is Get Moving Together. This walk event serves two purposes. First, it is an opportunity for ACB members to raise much-needed funds for both the American Council of the Blind and its affiliates or committees. Second, and more importantly, the walk is designed to encourage ACB members to move, no matter how fast or far. Join with us for our virtual walk at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, July 18th. ACB members will be moving around in their home communities throughout the country. Some will be on treadmills of various shapes and sizes. Some will be pedaling exercise bikes or striding on ski machines. And others will walk around their neighborhoods. And now for the fundraising piece of this year's walk. Our goal for the 2021 walk is to raise at least $95,000 for ACB and its affiliates. At the time of this recording, more than $73,000 has been raised. It is not too late to make your donation to the ACB walk. Online donations can be made by going to acb.org and clicking on the 2021 ACB Walk link. From the main walk page, you can make a donation to the general event or designate for your donation to go to one of the affiliate teams listed on that walk main page. Don't feel comfortable with the online option? Never fear, the employees in ACB's Minnesota office are here. Call 612-332-3242 and they will be happy to help you. 
So, let's get moving together. Raise money for ACB and its affiliates and improve your health and quality of life. Yeah, that's uh, what I, I should have always... sat on the my ball. Right, we're back, everybody. All right, we are so excited. That's it for the night. Uh, but last but not least, thanks to everybody, everybody, and everybody listening out there in, in Clubhouse, ACB Media One, on our live streams. Uh, Connie, I know you've been quiet tonight. You get the last words for get up and get moving. Give us something exciting. All right, Tony. Thanks. I. I want to just say, you know, let's do the walk tomorrow and get up and move. It's the best thing. I mean, our body isn't made to be still. It's made to be standing and moving. So the more you move, the better you'll feel. So let's get up and move. Awesome. Connie, everybody, thanks. Be well. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. 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 Good night.